Are you ready? I, I, I guess so. Yes, I guess I'm ready. <sighs> Once it gets going, uh, that's all I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to drive me crazy. Once it gets going, uh, you know, he's good. Uh, don't we like the beginning of NFL season? I thought we liked <laughs> I thought we all like count the days and cross oh, it yeah. off on our calendars and yeah, yeah, yeah. oh it's so good when the NFL and college fo- when football season starts it's so good. I mean, we we used to get a hotel downtown the night before the home opener we were so excited. So excited, We'd party right? Party all night long, go to the game the it's next just, day. It's a great time of year, That's isn't right. it? Oh sure, yeah. Well, University of Washington fans in Seattle Seahawks, yeah. how is it a great time of year? Couldn't love it anymore. But not on days like this. Not like days today. Yes, not on days like today. <sighs> Brutal. And how excited, oh. are you, how excited are you to watch the Sunday night game as we record? I mean, it's like everything just no. ruins everything, no, right? I don't want to ever see a football game again. It's a, <laughs> I'm done. It's almost in a way worse for you because you root for two teams. And then, I mean, good you have Lord. to bring them up. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, I kind of feel more sorry you for you. You have to bring them up. Woo. Well, it brings up the age old sports debate. Yeah. Which feels, which one hurts more? To lose 28 nothing and just get blown out of your own stadium and there's never any suspense to the game? Yeah. Or to have a game that you have in your back pocket at halftime, you're at home, you're winning the game, and have a team come in and just badger you in the second, in the second half and steal it from you in overtime? It's not which, a, which one do you get over faster? It's not apples to apples because they're two different teams, the Dolphins yeah. and the Seahawks. Yeah. But every time you have, anytime you have Russell Wilson, you got Jamal Adams, you got you know, you feel like Chris Carson, Bobby Wagner. You feel like you're always in it. You always have a chance to win it. So I think sure. the Seahawks one hurts a little more, especially up thirty to sixteen, but twenty four to nine. Because the Seahawks, as you point out. They never really do. They ever get blown out by anybody? It's Almost never get during blown the out. Russell Wilson when they era. lose. They typically lose about five, six, seven games a year, yeah. and they're all like this excruciating. Where you just ask, "What if?" Yeah. And you start pointing fingers. <laughs> and how did they lose yeah. it? And oh my god! We're not starting. We're in the T. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Hi. Episode one hundred and fifty-nine. I have a question. Okay. When you say you're sorry to somebody. I've never done it, but go on. And they turn and they say, no worries. Okay. Somewhere recently in the last five years, that became the answer to sorry. No worries. Yeah, it is. No worries. You're right. Where did that? Again, I I know about a year ago, I think I brought up to you when you say thank you to somebody and they say, of course, that's a a relatively new thing. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. Somebody says thank you instead of you're welcome. It's of course. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's the no worries. Everybody says no worries. Have you noticed this? Everybody say no worries. People text it. People email it. (laughs) People say it. Somewhere on some TV show or somewhere along the line, somebody decided that no worries is the answer. No worries. I think I do. No worries. I think I say that. I know you do. Everybody does. Yeah, I think I do. I think I'm doing it now. I think I'm trying to make sure they understand that you didn't even have to apologize. Like, yeah, no but, worries for okay. you at all, please. Okay, but we felt that way 35 years ago, but we didn't use the expression no worries. <laughs> what did we say? We, we just said, don't worry about it. No problem. Whatever. Now it's no worries. No it's worries. that. It's those two words. No yeah. worries. Everybody uses no worries. No, no worries. worries. Yeah. Where? Well, I wonder where that came I need, from. I need to know. this, okay. is, And it's not that long ago. This is what keeps you up at night? Yes. <laughs> Good. This is what keeps me sane yeah. about the Seahawks losing in overtime. I have this to be preoccupied. It takes my mind off of when it. When I was in London for like 10 days for work, yeah. it, instead of, you're welcome, it's, you're all right, which f- sounded so weird to me at first. That's, 
That's that a whole nother one. That'll never catch they on. They open the door for you. Oh, thank you. You're all right. That'll never catch on. No, I don't think it will. No, no worries. But no worries has caught on. Yeah, it's like weird. wildfire. You're right. Sir, I, mean, sir, I will bet you that you could go into your phone right now while we're on <laughs> while we're on the show. You could go back to all your texts and flip, just flip through your texts, and you will find somebody who has texted you. No worries. Yeah. It's not. It's good for. I'm sorry. No worries. Thanks. No worries. Yeah. It, it works for everything. Like if somebody cancels lo- yeah. an appointment or a meeting with you and they no feel worries. badly, yeah, and you just say no, no worries yeah. back. Yeah. It works for thanks. It works. Huh. It, it, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I wonder where that came yeah. from. Yeah. Yeah, it is different than than what, what did you say? What did we used to say? Or don't worry about it. Or no problem. All good. No problem. No problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No worries. Is no like, worries. I really want to take care of you and let you know that you, you <laughs> no can worries. sleep tonight, buddy. No worries. You should have zero worries. If somebody in our audience, knows, maybe there is somebody that knows, and maybe it was a TV show, yeah, maybe <laughs> a Netflix show. It's probably a streaming show. Right. Yeah. Some some character along the way said no worries, yeah. and that started this. Brush fire of no worries. Yep, I think you're right. Mitch Unfiltered, subscribe and rate. This is episode 159. I got a couple of little posted um, reviews on the uh, Apple podcast site of Mitch Unfiltered. Okay. Uh, H-E-I-D-J-N-B. I don't know who this is. Hot Shots Jokes. Uh-oh. Five stars. Oh. Gives us five stars. Woo. Not for your jokes, but gives the <laughs> gives the good. podcast five fine. stars I'll and writes it. on Apple Podcasts. He or she posted this. Such a good podcast. Hotshot needs to do more of the jokes. Also, Mitch needs to let Hotshot do the Florida man thing. It's so funny. Well, you, I think Five you, stars. I think you said it, it was a year. I have to stay away for a year, but I don't know when you said that. I can't remember now. Did I say a year? I think you did. Well, I'm going to extend it. You can extend it. Okay, yeah. that's good. Yeah. Rod Mundy gave us five stars. Great. He says, this five stars will keep unless I hear Hugh Millen on your show. That guy. What? That's all he writes. Just takes a sweat. Like, <laughs> you Millen catching- not He's not even on our podcast. <laughs> catching shrapnel for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Does everyone love Hugh Millen? Like, they love it. They like him on the air? Nah, like- he's controversial. Oh, he is. He's somewhat controversial. But I don't understand. Why would he bring that out? Because I'm having a lots of the old radio guys oh, on. Oh, maybe that's it. And he just wants to make sure I put an end to it at Danny O'Neill because Danny <laughs> O'Neill now has signed on yes, he has. to be a regular Mitch Unfiltered contributor. So maybe this guy got wind of that and was like, okay, hold on. Slickhawk, Danny O'Neill, yeah. Hotshot. Okay, I'll give you five star. No Hugh Millen. He's <laughs> he's he's doing a preemptive Hugh Millen strike on episode one fifty nine. Something tells know. me you don't have to worry about that fella. Something tells me. I mean, which you know. guy? Him? Or yeah, yeah I don't think he has to worry oh, about it. Okay. Uh, Scott David P gave us five stars on Apple Podcasts. He writes, "I like the old guys too. I just wanted to say that I loved Bino and Ben Wright too." Mm. Keep the old guys coming. Listener since 95. Love the podcast. Just signed up to be a Patreon. Not enough time to listen more than the Monday show, but we need to support independent creators like you. This guy is saying, I'm going to be a patron at $5 a month. I'm not going to listen to any of your six shows a week that you're doing now, (laughs) but I just want to support independent creators like you. It's sort of like when I buy the, the Girl Scout cookies. I'll buy three boxes. That I don't want to eat three boxes. And I'll just give them away to people. Same no, kind you, of thing. You end up eating them. Two and a half. I <laughs> <laughs> give half away. <laughs> King of Magnolia on uh, Apple Podcasts gives us five stars. Essential listening, he writes. The paid podcast is underpriced Ooh. for the amount and quality of content we get. I feel like I'm stealing from Mitch and Scott and Steve for a mere five bucks. So he likes... The patron content, the five or six shows a week. Twenty there bucks a go. month it is. There you there go. There you go. Thanks, pal. Twenty bucks a month mm. going forward. 
We're raising prices. Just for him or for yeah, everybody? No, just for him. Just for no him. one else feels that way. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you feel like you're stealing, by the way, there is an option on Patreon that says you can pay more than $5 a month. Right. You're not stuck at 5 no, no, yeah, You yeah. do whatever you want to do. Okay, yeah. $6, $7. I think we got to reiterate that because I think people forget. You don't have to just pay 5 Yeah, but, but I don't want to reiterate Oh, you don't? Okay. No, 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 no. Pay, right. pay the minimum gotcha. if you like. All right. Uh, or, or more. Um, <laughs> and by the way, yes, last week was our first expanded, our new schedule. We did the Peace Show, you and I, yep. for Thursday. I did Around the NFL with Randy Mueller and Peter King. I did the Seahawks Note Table with Joe Fan and Brady Henderson. I did Shooting the Shit with Slickhawk. I did Fantasy Football with Kenny Z. So we did six shows. Danny O'Neill, I did announce it both on the Peace Show and on, on Twitter and social media. Danny O'Neill, formerly of ESPN 710, uh, is now going to be on our patron show with you and me. Kind of with me, but okay. with you and me. He'll be a part of that. I just didn't want to do another show. Yeah, right. Exactly. So I'm just going to attach it to the P show. Good. It's going to be part of the P show, and he will debut this week with his weekly stuff. That's big. Beat the boys. I know I owe everybody a new code word for weekend number three. Yeah. I feel like I stole something by going two and one. I don't know. I I was zero and three last week. I went two and one this week somehow, yeah, some way. Good. Because the dude in in uh, in Car- in, in where Minnesota. was it? Yeah. Well, it was in Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Minnesota yeah, guy. Yeah. I, I should have gone two and one, and you should have gone one and two. Well, I should have lost that one, and I probably should have lost the Cowboys Chargers, too. I should have gone over. I was staring right down the barrel at 0 and 6. Yeah. Who goes 0? You know I, how hard it is to go 0 and 6? Right, right. If I told you I want you to go 0 and 6, you could never do it. You could never do I it. I find a way to do it. <laughs> well, so the Dallas eventually won. No, I mean, the Chargers eventually won because Dallas. No, had, no. Dallas won. Oh, Dal- that, that was my only win then. Okay, Dallas good. Won. I'm one and two. Dallas won in Los Angeles against the Chargers. Wasn't it 14 or 17-17 Seven, at one point? Yeah, it was 2017 on last oh, last second field. Oh, yeah. Never easy. Three games in a row were were right at that same same time period yeah. were decided by last second field goals. You had the Arizona Minnesota game they missed. They made it in the Dallas um Charger game and they made it uh the Tennessee guy made it in overtime against the Seahawks. And Atlanta and Tampa Bay was a good game for a while. And Tampa Bay kind of ran away with it for a bit. Not really. I mean, it wasn't. I thought it was like no. 25, 25 or. No, 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 no. They got they got close at one point. Okay. It, no, that's I, what I saw. No, I watched that game. All right. No. All right. Now, nah. uh, beat the boys. So we got weekend number three coming. Yep. And you are a total of what? Three and three? I think I'm 500. Yeah, I think I'm three and three. I went two. Yeah, two and one the first. No, you, no, no, I went no, one and two. Two and four. Two and four. You're two yeah. and four. And I'm two and four. Um, <sighs> I've picked the games for this coming Sunday, Sunday number three. They are as followed. Okay. The Miami Dolphins, we don't know who's quarterbacking them. Two is hurt. Oh. Got hurt early in the game. Ribs, we think broken ribs, maybe. <sighs> um, Jacoby Brissett was the quarterback in the in the whitewashing to Buffalo. So you've got the Finns at the Raiders in Las Vegas. Okay. You've got the Packers at the Niners. Okay. In Santa Clara. Okay. Right, Packers, right. Niners. And you have the Saints on the road in Foxborough against the Patriots. So those are your three games for Beat the Boys, presented by my friends at Fireside Home Solutions. I love John. I love Fireside Home Solutions. We just got a brand new outdoor fireplace that we just installed last week to warm up the outside area. <laughs> uh, FiresideHomeSolutions.com and the presenting sponsor of Beat the Boys. So those are the three games that you need to pick, but you need the co-word to be able to pick them. That's right. And the code word is, all lowercase, ballet. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good choice for this week, Tim. 
That's what the oh, code word is, ballet. Gosh. So you type in B-A-L-L-E-T, and you make your picks, Finns, Raiders, Packers, Niners, Saints, and Patriots. Guests on this episode 159, before we start here, we're in the tease section. We've got Brady and Joe in the Seahawks note table, presented by Taco Time Northwest. Brady, Joe, and I will hash it out as you and I will here in our first segment. Yeah. What the hell happened in the second half? Total meltdown. I'll call it a total meltdown. Rick Neuheisel, who sent me back to the Snoqualmie Casino with a with a uh, a sack of cash. A fistful of dollars. Which I'm not getting back. And some five-star locks. Locks of the year. He's now 0-2 on his five-star <laughs> locks, and I am worse off for it. <laughs> and then our third guest on episode 159 is... You'll remember October the 30th, 2001, when I tell you what happened. Okay. It was 49 days after the attacks, the 9-11 attacks on our country's freedom. The World Series was being played between the Arizona Diamondbacks, should have been the Seattle Mariners, because you remember the Mariners won 116 games that year. I but do But they remember. were ousted in the American League Championship Series by them hated Yankees. So the Yankees and the Diamondbacks on October the 30th were getting ready to play game three. The Diamondbacks had won the first two games in Arizona. They had come back to New York, Yankee Stadium, the Bronx, 49 days after the attacks. And unbeknownst to a lot of people, President George Bush flew in, was fitted for a bulletproof jacket, His security and Secret Service said, no, 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 you can't do this. You can't do this. It's too risky. If you want to do it, do it in Arizona in the first two games. Do not do it in New York. You can't do this. And he said, no way. I'm doing it. I'm going right on that mound. I'm putting my thumbs up. They had snipers all across the roof of, of Yankee Stadium. And he walked out onto that mound wherever you are politically. And he put his thumbs up in the air. And then he threw a strike. He sure did. For the probably the most influential first pitch in the history of modern day baseball, I would agree with that. Yep, the guy who caught the pitch, yeah, was supposed to be Jorge Posada, who you whom you remember as a great catcher for the New York Yankees. But Roger Clemens needed to warm up longer in the bullpen. Okay. He needed so Posada was unavailable. So the backup catcher, a guy named Todd Green, right. grabbed his mitt and ran out and was going to do anything he had to do to <laughs> not make George Bush look bad, not make him look bad, and catch that ball. Yeah. And he's now been known as the answer to the trivia question: Who caught? He joins us on episode to tell us the story of how he. How he caught that ball, what he was thinking, what it was like there, oh. the USA, USA chance, the people crying in the, I mean, the whole, the snipers on the top of Yankee Stadium. I remember the I whole was, story. I was scared for the president. I really was scared because we're all shook still. It wasn't that long ago that. No. At all. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, he's really going to go out in a stadium full of people? Is that right? Like, I remember being afraid, like, please, nothing else happened. This country can't take it. And he was not having any of it. Oh, he man. He was going out there with his thumb up, and, th- and then he threw right down the middle. He sure did. It was great. Yeah. So I wonder if the catcher was scared, too. I mean, that was a... Okay. You're going to find out. I can't wait to hear. You're going to yeah. find out. Todd Green, on October the 30th, 2001, caught the first pitch. Love it. That will be talked about and written about. I think documentaries have been literally done on that pitch, on what it took and, you know, huh. the arrangements. And, the, and he'll tell you, Todd Green's going to tell you the story about how, how secu- what security was like when he arrived, when the president arrived. Oh, I mean, it was just crazy. Imagine. Yeah. It was crazy. Anyway, those are our guests on episode 159. Love it. 159, Hotshot, episode 159. Did you hear that Mark Few is now about to have a new place to pick up some pizza? Zeke's is coming to Spokane, I kid you not, Tacoma, 
north to Bellingham and now east to Spokane. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler, another fabulously successful bourbon bash the other night at the Bellevue location. Max worked it. He's now getting ready to shift to Lake Union as he returns to the UW. He reminds us that Daniels has all kinds of positions available, full-time, part-time, danielsbroiler.com. It's official. Our brand-new outdoor fireplace is warming our patio thanks to Fireside Home Solutions. John Waterstrat's team is amazing. These guys are fantastic. Start your search right now for a new fireplace at FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Cross Country Mortgages Nails, thanks to their new team in Kirkland, headed by Jordan Flowers, my buddy, and now with access to some new construction loan products that are second to none. How much money can you save every month with a refinance? Call Jordan, 425-890-2957. An Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisor, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning taxes and investments under one roof. EvergreenGK.com, more than just a financial advisor. Evergreen is everything wealth. Episode 159, believe it or not, starts right now unfiltered i love the combo of tyler lockett and dk metcalf right and and the tight throw the tight ends in the mix but i am fearful of one of those two if one of those two guys gets hurt and misses games the seahawks are up Shit's creek without a paddle unfiltered that is chris carson in a nutshell right there in microcosm there's chris carson he turned second and 15 into second and four by just making one guy miss and then putting and then and just deciding I'm going to go as hard as I can straight line yeah. and I, you probably don't remember the no. play but uh Mitch is unfiltered okay are you ready for a new YouTube suggestion before we get into the Seahawks <laughs> <laughs> anything to stall my latest oh, my, my latest rabbit hole God. buffet fights people are beating each other up at buffets not at the Snoqualmie <laughs> Casino, I, I don't know. And it's usually Not over. at the Mongolian Grill <laughs> counter when I'm going next, no? I think there's plenty to go around out there. But here, here's what sets everyone off, you're I found out. too much shrimp in there. <laughs> it's not that. It's close. You're in the, okay. you're in the right kind of uh, okay. demographic. All right. Crab legs are making legs. people flip out. I love crab legs. Well, turns out everyone does. Are we talking Dungeness crab legs or like Maryland blue crab? Probably like King or Dungeness. King, okay. So what happens is there's like 30 people standing around and it's empty. They're waiting for the new batch to come in. This poor person comes over. Oh. Puts it down and it's just on. It's a scrum. It's like remember the rugby scrum, and, and the crab legs are gone in three seconds. Because people don't want the the crab legs from the previous portion. They the, want to wait for the new ones. It's no, no, the, the hot steamy ones, no, and they're no, all gone. They're gone. There oh. are no previous. Because portions. when I go to Azell's Chicken, oh yeah, I like Azell. Sure. Do you like Azell's? Oh, I love it. You would never like to go with me. Okay. You would probably not like to go with me anyway. Yeah, that's probably Costco. Fair. We found out Costco. You don't want to oh, go with that's me. A no fly zone. You don't yeah, want to. You, you don't that. really want to go anywhere with me. Yeah, yeah. And you don't want to go to Azell's with me because the first thing I ask when I walk into Azell's, the rare occasion that I do, but my family likes it. Every once in a while, we'll yeah. go to Azell's. We got a new one here. That's right, right down there. A first question. You know, you go you go to a place like Azell's and you're hungry and you want to eat. Yeah. Not dad. Oh no. When did the chicken come out? 
And when's the next oh. batch coming out? Because I love the first few pieces <laughs> of the next batch. It's so I'm hot sure. though; you can barely even eat oh, it. Oh, that's like, the best! Oh man! Oh <laughs> my God! I don't want the I don't want the thigh and the leg that's been sitting there for 25 minutes. But th- I don't want it. Okay. I want the new one. So I will, and they'll say <laughs> they'll say 18 minutes, and I say I've got plenty of time. Oh geez, and, and I wait. will I will stand there for 18 minutes and wait for the new batch. <laughs> Absolutely. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna kill myself and clog my aorta with <laughs> right. the zell's fried chicken yeah. i want to love i want it to be the it's gotta be worth the, it oh, yeah, yeah yeah yeah. I'm, I'm with you i'm waiting okay. i'm waiting the 18 minutes fair enough no one waits at a zell's like i waited at a zell's no it's called fast food for a reason because it's fast <laughs> no, no 18 minutes okay. i'll go to so the crab so the crab <laughs> so you're saying the crab legs that's oh, awesome there's a scrub i mean people are is there not a line is not formed waiting for the new crab legs to no, come out? No, it's a free-for-all. Oh, shit. It's like Black Friday at Walmart. And there's video of this? Yeah, there's there's a few. Oh, I, I love it. And that. you see one guy, and it also happens this, with, with the big shrimp. This is great. The, oh, the big shrimp. That happens, too. You see oh. a guy with three plates stacked up just packed with shrimp each one of them like that's you're, another problem trying too. to get your money's worth but that's the thing it's, it's, these greedy people they can't just take a few and let other people get them oh no they gotta just pack it full you should just bring a duffel bag i mean why not at that point <laughs> what's the difference are you i don't even know that you're allowed to take food out of a buffet no it's not out just like to the table yeah no no oh, I'm, I'm, I'm saying oh no you can't but i'm no, just saying you shouldn't like, be able to that just take the duffel the bag to your to your table and just eat it out of the duffel bag i mean why not yeah, it's, it's mm. pretty fun if you need mm. something to look at. Look at the buffet fights. You can't believe Buffet are... fights on YouTube. <laughs> Beating yes. the crap out of each other for yes. shrimp and crab can legs. We, can we not talk about the Seahawks? Can I'd we just love. talk about buffet fights? Because I'm happy to. Isn't it, it's kind of weird that we haven't eaten every shrimp on the planet as much as people love it. I love it. shrimp. Everyone does. Oh, I love a good shrimp. And then the, what's that place that has like the eight different ways? The, the, you, you know, you could saute it or you fry it and you can get... Bubba, Bubba Gump? Nah, no. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe Olive Garden has a... I don't, it's just Olive shocking Garden. that there's any crab or shrimp left no. as much as people love. It. So there you go. You say shrimp, I think of the, you know, the the Forrest Gump character. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah You yeah. can saute it, <laughs> yeah. you can fry it, and he's Buttered going shrimp, the- <laughs> garlic shrimp, fried shrimp, and <laughs> it goes on for like four hours. Well, I want to thank the Seahawks as we do a little Seahawks chatter, and I know we'll have the, the Seahawks note table, so we don't have to do a ton of it, but I do want to thank the Seahawks for making this an easy presentation in terms of finger pointing. Okay. Typically... The Seahawks lose a game like this, it's excruciating, and then we debate, and who do we blame? We point fingers at it, and some people say it's their fault, and some people say it's... And then you end up fighting over crab. It's the the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think we have that this time. I mean, I think we're getting away scot-free from that, because you know what the truth of the matter is? Hmm. It is a full system meltdown. I don't think anybody is more to blame than anybody else in the second half and overtime. Where would you like me to start? Yeah. I'll tell you what. You could spin the wheel. The wheel's got offense on it. It's got defense. It's got special teams. And it's got coaching. Four things. Is there anything else about a football team that I'm missing? Sounds like every fast. Offense, defense, special teams, coaching. Four things. Yep. You spin the wheel and you tell me where you want to start. <laughs> where did you do? Where offense. Offense? Yes. Second half offense. Okay. How many plays do you think they ran in the second half and overtime combined? I have no clue. I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a relative term. The Tennessee Titans ran 54 plays in the second half and overtime combined. 54 plays. How many plays do you think the Seahawks ran in the second half and overtime? Less, but I'll say like 35. How about 24? Oh, boy. Yeah. How about, how's and that the entire half. And, the, and overtime. <laughs> and overtime. Okay. One drive. All right. How many yards do you think they got? 
in the – now they're up 24 to 9 yeah, at halftime, halftime. Oh, and sure. they're throwing the ball all over what, the place. Did you see that last they're drive? Moving, it was, I, I, yeah, I saw it. It was I incredible. Watched, I watched. Yeah, they're, 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 they're slicing the Tennessee Titans defense up. Yep. 24 plays. How many yards do you think they had in the – in the second half and overtime together, hot shot. I don't know. Put it all together. Take a guess. I don't know. Uh, let's see. One fifty. Two hundred. Say it. Say the first one again. One fifty. Right on the butt. Thank you. Twenty-four plays for one hundred and fifty <sighs> yards. Now. I knew it was anemic. Now. Now. No. We haven't even started with anemic. <laughs> okay. Okay. They had hundred and fifty yards. I want to talk to you about two plays that we're going to take out of it. Okay. Two plays. They only had 24 plays. I'm taking two plays out. I know one for sure. Okay. Which one am I going to take out? The pass to Lockett at the end of the first half. We're talking second half. And no, 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 no. I'm sorry. Follow me here. No, it was, at the, it was at the end of regulation, wasn't it? I, I, I said first half. Yes. Yes. Like, what no, the hell no. was that? Well, no. I mean, they were trying to do something. They the had no chance. The answer goes, hey, he's probably going to lateral it. Boom, out of bounds. Yes. So I guess he's not. 27 yards. Yeah, take that out. It doesn't count. I, I'm with those, you. Those yards do not count. I'm with you on the, the overrated Titans locket. We're, we're giggling at them. Here, take 27 yards. Okay, so we're taking 150, which is already anemic, yeah. and we're reducing it by 27. I'm going to then take out the 68-yard touchdown pass to Freddie Swain where the Titans didn't even cover him. Yeah. They let, there was some sort of a... Definitely a miscommunication okay. back there. 68 yards and 27 yards. That equals 95 yards. Now we take 150... And we take out the 27-yarder, which doesn't count, and a 68-yarder with a Tennessee. They didn't do anything. They just said, here, Freddie Swain, we're not going to cover you. You go score a touchdown. That's 95 yards. That's 22. Now we're down to 22 plays for 55 yards. Yeah. Okay? 22 plays for 55 yards in a full half plus overtime. Right. Is that two and a half yards of play or something like that? Yeah. Offense. All right? Spin the wheel. Spin the wheel. Stop. Defense. Let's talk about defense in the second half. Let's do it. Let's talk about how they got off the field when they allowed 54 plays to be run by the opposing team. 54 plays. 379 yards they gave up in the second half and in overtime. And you don't need me to talk to you about Derrick Henry, what Derrick Henry did to this defense, and what what he made this defense look like. What he made safeties and linebackers and defense. Yeah. What uh, you don't need me to tell you about. Yeah. No. You, you're exactly right. Right. We we, we got okay. it. Yeah. Yeah. Did the defense play well in the second half? Total meltdown. Yep. Defense. Offense. Spin the wheel. Stop. Right. Coaching. Want to go to coaching before yes, special teams? I do. Okay. Because I wonder if see if it's related to defense at all. So. Okay. Well. Sp- well, the coaching is 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 not only defense, but it's offense too. But special teams we can do in a second and tell you Jason Myers. Yeah. When is he going to stop missing extra point? You, pretty big point now, yeah. as it turns out. Now, I don't know. Maybe you tell me they would have gone for two and, and handed it. it off to Derrick Henry, and he would have gone in from the three-yard line or wherever they did it, and, and Jason Myers' point doesn't matter. Still but, tougher than kicking an extra point. Can, can we make uh, – and everybody talks about how he didn't miss a – I don't think he missed a field goal last year, but he missed like three extra points. Okay. okay can we make extra points, <laughs> please? Nice. Yeah. Extra points. <laughs> Yeah. Can we make extra points? That guy has a great tendency of missing extra points, and never does he miss one where it doesn't come back to haunt. Never. Yeah. That's special teams. Okay. Coaching. Now that's its own wheel. That's its own wheel. You want to start with Shane Waldron's incredible newfound offense that looked eerily similar to Brian Schottenheimer's offense. Yeah. I didn't see any di- – how they use the tight ends on Sunday against the uh, – 
against the Titans. Two targets for one catch, I want to say. Were there two targets? Yeah. Okay. I think I think okay. I don't remember the really first one. It. I had to look it up. I thought it was How are one. the screen passes and how was the sleight of hand and how was the misdirection going one way like yeah. they used in the first game against the Colts where they they faked like they're going to go one way and they threw a little wide receiver screen or whatever. How was how was the creativity in yeah. the offense over the course of those four quarters plus an overtime? Did how you, was that? Do you think the first two quarters was also not creative? Not creative at all. Okay. They just—it was like bust. It was like bomber bust for them. No, they got they twenty-four they, points. Well, they got a couple of big plays. The truth yeah. is, they got a couple of big plays in the past game, and they did take with the defense. They were taking these eight and ten yards, you know, little yeah. passes to the sidelines. But I saw—I'm just—and and maybe somebody would yell at their podcast, and I'm not being fair. I saw zero difference between Shane Waldron's offense and Brian Schottenheimer's offense. In fact, how do you, how they do how they do it trying to establish Chris Carson? How what kind of a role yeah. did Chris Carson play in the second half? How about in the overtime? How many carries did he get on the three and out for the? You got Chris Carson. You, give him the. He had 13 carries, I think. Now he wasn't great, and they were having trouble blocking for him right. or whatever. That's part of it but too, that's yeah. part of it. He but, was making his first move in the backfield. How about? How about tossing the ball to him? Yeah. Hey, he can I'm, catch the ball out of the back. Is he good out of the backfield? He's not too shabby. He's good on a screen pass. He's good on a dump pass. He's good on a wheel pattern. I mean, there's different ways to get him out in space. Nothing. Where's Disley? Will Disley looked pretty didn't good throw, last Didn't throw the ball to Will Disley. Nope. So there's there's one coaching, an F. Shane Waldron, in my book, gets an F okay. for the Tennessee Titan game. I got plenty for Pete Carroll. Okay, okay, okay. okay. He's 70 years old. Mm-hmm. I guess I should just forget it, right? The idea that he at 70 will ever learn how to manage a clock, <laughs> I guess if he doesn't have it by 70, he may be going to the Hall of Fame. He may have given you the best years in the history of the Seattle Seahawks. He may have taken you to Super Bowls. He may have taken you to, you know, to parades, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Freezing cold, yeah. I guess I should just accept that there are costs that go along with it. Okay. And there are several things that we pay off as Seahawk fans to have Pete Carroll. One of the things that we pay off is clock management. The Tennessee Titans have the ball with a minute and 54 seconds to go at the Seattle 26-yard line. A minute and 54. Yeah. And they've got all the timeouts that they need. The Titans do. And they've got the ball. They need seven to win. But they've got 154 and two timeouts. Are they pressed for time at all at the 26-yard line? So are you doing them any kind of a favor? If you call timeout, are you playing in their hands? Or... Do they have plenty of timeouts and plenty of time to do however they want to do? Yeah, right? they have plenty of, yeah. yeah they're, they're, they're set, yeah, right? Yeah, they're good. They're at the 26-yard line with 154 and two or three timeouts. Then they're at the 18 with 135 to go. They're set. They've got all the time they need. Why are we sitting there letting them expire the clock? They're either going to score or they're not going to score. Yeah. And you know what? If they don't score, what happens? Well, you win the game. You win the game. Yeah. And if they score... What would you like to have? Some extra time on the clock. Somebody please tell me, <laughs> what planet yeah. is Pete Carroll on? What planet is are any of these coaches on that don't take timeouts on defense? You have to take – it's not like you're helping them out. I just asked you if you're helping them out by taking timeouts, and you said no because they got 154 and two timeouts themselves. Yeah. They're plenty. They're taking care of the Titans are. In fact, your defense is kind of gassed. You're going to help your defense out yeah. if you take a timeout, not to mention – He's sitting there on the sidelines with two timeouts watching 154 go to 135, go to 59, go to 43, go to 30. 
What the hell is he doing? Yeah, I, I think- Take the timeouts. And if they score, you've got 45 seconds or a minute with Russell Wilson to yeah. get down to score for three. And if they don't score, okay, you get the ball. There's probably a minute to go or 45 seconds to go, and you run out the clock. Right. I think he would say, I want my quarterback to have timeouts with 30 seconds as opposed to no timeouts with 50 seconds or 60 seconds. That's, I'm, I'm just guessing. That's probably what he would say. But when you're on offense, you control the clock, Hotshot. That's the whole point. I'm not saying I agree with him. I'm of saying that, that's you what he would say. You better not agree with it. Okay? <laughs> yeah. You control the clock when offense. You can go out of bounds. You can spike the yeah, ball. Yeah. You can stop the no, clock. I, yeah, you have timeouts that aren't called timeouts when you're on offense. That's why you use them when you're on defense. Right. There was zero reason or explanation or sound reasoning to not use his timeouts while Tennessee's either going down to tie or not going down to tie. He's got one responsibility as the CEO of the Seahawks in that situation, and that is do what I got to do to give number three the most clock I can, the most time I can in case he needs it after this series. Can I talk about Pete Carroll for just a second? Sure. The penalties, 10 penalties for 100 yards. How long are we going to accept Pete not giving ramifications for people doing stupid shit? Because we've said in the past, he doesn't really get on players. He's not homegrown. He's not Belichick. But the good news is players like him and they play hard for him. So he kind of lets stuff go. But I think I'm kind of ready for him to it's been be like more of a hard Aren't ass. they one of the most penalized teams in the NFL every single year? I think they are. Again, I think that's just one of those... One cost of, the, of doing business with Pete Carroll. Yeah, I think it's one of those things in the fine print that we signed our lives away when we yeah. it, when we accepted the the good things. I think clock manager. I mean, I can spout out about clock management all I want, but it's not changing. Right. This is this is a year by year thing. I'm always complaining about clock management. These are easy to. This is not retrospect. I'm sitting there in my chair watching the clock go down, saying, "Why are we not taking timeouts?" Yeah. Take the timeouts. Okay, so he just is who he is. I think That's he it? is okay. who he is, and clock management's not changing for the better, and penalties are not, for the most part, are not changing for the Roughing better. Roughing the passer and that late hit by Jordan, and then he punishes him by taking him out of the game. I got the Seahawks no table coming up. Okay. You, you got more? What do you I got? Just, what, 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 if what, I'm a Titans fan, yeah. I am so pissed off at three plays. Three plays. Okay. Why, if you're a Titans fan, are you pissed off at all? You won the game. I, I know, but it's just like this: the, the refereeing. I'm trying okay. to find – Okay. The Chris Carson first down. The magic third and one where he was way short first down. Do you remember that one? On the sideline? Was he on the sideline? he was on the sideline. On the the near sideline, yes. Yeah, yeah. To the camera, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they're pissed off about that one. Okay. Okay, the sack on Russell Wilson in the end zone. It's either a safety or it's grounding. Either way, the game is over there. I thought he might have been at the one. Really? Yeah. He's grabbing him. He's in the end zone when he's grabbing him. Yeah, but he... When he grabbed him and he got in the end zone, if you watch after he swung him around, okay, he put the ball out and he may have crossed the the goal line back into play for forward progress. I don't know, I don't know. Okay, how about that Julio Jones call in the end zone? Have you ever seen that before, where he didn't get his heel in? I thought if any parts of your feet two feet touch, no, I learned that myself during the game. That right. you, you know, on, the, on a play like that, you got to get the whole foot in. And I think that the I I, I didn't think that they were going to overturn it. Because I didn't think it was conclusive enough, yeah. but I guess they saw enough where the heel was on the white line. Are you yeah, excited they, for having the, the highest paid safety in the league? Is, is he a guy that makes big game-changing plays? Are you sensing that the first two two games for Jamal well, Adams? Well, I think they're using him a little differently than they used him last year. But yeah, he hasn't, to me, made a huge impact. I think there's still time. I'm glad they did. <sighs> what, did you, you want them to go back and not give him the money? 
and then have him perhaps not play. I mean, I think they need him out there. But yes, I they're they're not using him in in blitzing situations as much as they used to. Well, they did send him a few times year. and he didn't get home. Yeah, and, well, yeah. he got home once and he went head to head and he's better off 15, not getting home in that situation. 15 yards and <laughs> yeah. they extended the the I, the I just think the, the highest paid player at the position, uh, Patrick yeah. Mahomes, does he make big plays and big game, you know, just go down the like I was watching You want the, more impact from Jamal well, Adams. Who doesn't? He's yeah. the, I, I hear you. I'm hear watching you. the Rams game and that poor Eason kid had to come in. And he throws it. And who, who picks it? Jalen Ramsey, you know, one of the best corners in the game to yeah. kind of ice the game. But yeah. That's what big players do. Like, I'm just kind of waiting but for I, that. But I think I think what's unfair is the, the position he plays doesn't lend itself to mm-hmm. having marquee moments like a cornerback does when he takes a receiver out of the game yeah. and he comes up with, a rec- with an interception. If they're not going to blitz him at safety, it's going to be harder for him to make eye-catching plays that you then come to unfiltered and say yeah that's what we paid him for so I, I look I'm not suggesting that he's made an impact I get your frustration thank you they gave him a lot of money they gave him a lot of years he has not been a huge factor in either of the first two games there are 15 more for him to be a factor okay, okay. I will be looking it was such a dominant performance for the Titans in the second half I mean, it's hard to even imagine that you deserve to be in overtime. They, they were such the inferior team, offensively, defensively, special teams, and coaching staff in the second half that they didn't even deserve to be in overtime. Did they deserve to win if they would have pulled it out somehow? I would have didn't been feel sitting, like it, huh? I would have been sitting here saying... You would have. Oh. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm with you. Because I, so I said that oh, on yeah. Twitter. Like, even if they if win, they I'm going to have survived trouble celebrating. That, oh, yeah. It doesn't oh, yeah. feel like something you well, can celebrate. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you know, a win is a win is yeah, a win, yeah. and you accept it. But no, I it would have felt... Not good. Yeah, like you didn't deserve it. Okay. So dominated. All right, let's do uh, three interviews. We'll come back, talk about Washington and all the other stuff in our last segment. I've got the Seahawks note table. We've got the uh, we've got Rick Neuheisel. Yep. See how much money he's going to lose me next week. <laughs> and then we've got the man who caught the first pitch from President Bush on October 30th, 2001, Todd Green. Okay? Yep. Time to talk some pizza, beer, and salads with Zeke's president, Dan Black. How are you, Dan? I'm doing good, Mitch. Thanks. September is already here, believe it or not. How has the summer gone? Give us kind of a synopsis of what's going on at Zeke's. Summer's been good. You know, the the main theme there is people are out doing stuff. Our Belltown store, which is a block from the Space Needle, was active with tourists all summer. And so... Just seeing that kind of normalized activity out there has been great. I hear some huge news is coming down the pike. We've got the footprint south to north, Tacoma to Bellingham, but we're going east. I count 19 locations on the website. Tell us the exciting news about the eastern side of the state. Yeah, no, we just signed a deal in Spokane, so uh, we're excited to be doing a pretty major expansion in terms of geographic footprint and uh, really close to the GU campus over there. We're going to be packed for... Zags basketball games, which will be fun, and it's uh, it's just a cool spot. Is Mark Few welcomed at that location, Dan? He is welcome. I'll give you a warning if he's there so, you, <laughs> so that you don't have to show up. Harvest season. What does that mean? It's coming for beer drinkers, Dan. Yeah, it means IPA drinkers are going to be happy. This time of year, we do what's called fresh hop beer. All the big breweries do fresh hop versions, mainly of their IPAs, and it's really good beer, and we'll, we're going to have a ton of IPAs, both on draft and in cans, and so uh, including Lateral A, which is kind of our one of our more popular IPAs that you can only get at Zeke's, and so people are excited about that. And what we learned during the pandemic is you can have that delivered to your door with the pizza. Yep, absolutely. They haven't rolled any of the laws back, so yeah, beer delivery is still going strong, and uh, like I say, people will be getting these fresh hop IPAs delivered soon. Zeke'sPizza.com, or do the easy thing and download the Zeke's Pizza app like we do here in the Levy household. We love Zeke's Pizza. It's homegrown. 
in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Wilson looking deep, floating one. He's got a man, and guess who? It's Lockett who gets it away. Lockett at the 10. Touchdown. Tannehill in the shotgun. We did so many good things, and then we, we really hurt ourselves um, just too many times when you're playing a good team. And uh, the penalties were just so costly. Uh, so, so many first downs off penalties when we had them and, and really had the control of the situation. And uh, it was really unfortunate that we, were, we, we weren't poised enough, and I totally take that myself. There was just opportunities for us to make better decisions that we didn't make. It's Seahawks no table time. I wish this were a more celebratory no table, but it's not on episode 159. It's all brought to you by Taco Time Northwest, and they're continuing efforts to bring new people in, signing bonuses of up to $5,000 for new general managers and $2,000 for assistant general managers. And they got, they got spots across the board at all Taco Time Northwest locations. Joe Fan, Brady Henderson, and Mitch breaking down an unfortunate overtime loss for the Seahawks against the Tennessee Titans. Joe, why'd they lose? They fell apart comprehensively in the second half. I mean, offense couldn't muster more than six points, not a single score uh, from the 13-minute mark in the third quarter all the way through overtime, and they had a number of opportunities to put the game away. Uh, I still remain shocked that the defense got the stop in overtime and the offense couldn't go get a field goal. It just felt like a guarantee that Russ would go get the job done, and he didn't do it. You know, a three and out with two passes that were uncatchable, sailing over, uh, out of bounds uh, over the sideline, and, uh, and a defense that, that couldn't stop Derrick Henry and gave up north of 500 yards. And just a really ugly day at Lewin Field for, for a team that, that looked really good through the first six quarters of the season. Joe, they actually stopped him twice on the overtime drive. They stopped them after three downs, but then got a penalty and had to do it all over again. So they they actually came up with two stops on the same on the same go around. Brady, why'd they lose? This felt more like a fourth quarter uh, collapse more than just a, a second half collapse. You know, because as bad as they were at times in the third quarter, um, you know, especially offensively, and then just all the penalty issues that wasn't you know problem throughout the game. Yeah, they still took a, a 30 to 16 lead early in the fourth quarter, and I think that missed PAT by Jason Myers was really kind of the start of it. And um, you know, three of their 10 penalties for 100 yards were in the fourth quarter. It was three penalties for 29 yards, I believe, in the fourth quarter. There was the long Derrick Henry touchdown run where they, you know, a lot I think went wrong on that play. And you just don't see the Seahawks lose games in this fashion. They're such a good finishing team. Russell Wilson is such a good fourth quarter quarterback that uh, this was, it wasn't a shock that they lost. The Titans playoff team, very good running back, really good offensive weapons. It wasn't a shock that they lost. It was the way that they lost. Brady, I just asked you and Joe why they lost. What were the explanations after the game, the stark contrast between Derrick Henry in the first half and the way the Seahawks defense did against him in the first 30 minutes to the way he performed in the last 
whatever it was, 40 minutes. Any plausible explanation of why they weren't able to slow him down in the second half? Yeah, so on the um, on the 60-yard Derrick Henry touchdown run, Carroll was sort of vague on that, and he said that it, Jamal, he kind of pointed to Jamal Adams being a little bit too aggressive uh, in the way that he played that play, and obviously Trey Flowers whiffed on the tackle, but the implication from Carroll was that Adams kind of aired there and, and maybe taking the wrong angle. He was coming on a blitz there, and I don't know exactly what he's supposed to do there if he's if he's you know if the design of the play has him sending it has him coming on a blitz but the the inference from carroll was that he did not do his job there um and obviously i mean trey flowers is kind of in a tough spot there you know he's supposed to i believe force the play inside uh which he did but he ended up missing the tackle i, I just don't know if if that's a play that they could necessarily expect trey flowers to make i think derrick henry is going to have his games he's going to have his moments against even good defenses i think this was look it's never one thing and so it was partly that that they got beat by a really good running back but they also beat themselves and i think they set the record for most references to shooting themselves in the foot uh, which is what you hear teams say when they commit as many penalties as the Seahawks did and when they, again, missed that PAT, which not to put this all on Jason Myers by any means, I just rattled off everything that went wrong for them. But if he makes that PAT after that Russell Wilson touchdown throw to Freddie Swain, then that would have forced the Titans to go for two to force overtime as right. opposed to just kicking the field goal. We spent a lot of the offseason, Joe, Joe Fan, talking a lot about how the Seahawks needed a new offensive identity. They got rid of Brian Schottenheimer. They went and got themselves this young coach from the Rams, Shane Waldron. We saw a lot of impact in the first game and in the exhibition season. But I made the comment to Hotshot Scott in our first segment, Joe, I don't know. Maybe my eye is not fine-tuned enough. Maybe I don't know enough about the NFL. I didn't see any difference in the play calling and in the offense under Shane Waldron on Sunday than Brian Schottenheimer. You could have told me Brian Schottenheimer was the coach, the offensive coordinator. I would have believed you. Yeah, I think the, the issue remains, and, and I misspoke that, that the touchdown to Freddie Swin was in the fourth quarter, not the third. The, the fact remains, scoring six points in the second half is just not going to get the job done against a high-powered Titans offense. So, uh, apologies for that that misstep there but yeah I think the issue remains getting Russell Wilson to to be able to operate over the middle of the field and that was one of the biggest issues that, that plagued the team in the second half last year in that playoff loss to the Rams and even still you know unless it's the you know the moon balls on the deep posts I mean there's nothing short and intermediate for the most part that happens over the middle of the field everything's toward the boundary and so that's an issue that Shane Waldron is going to have to figure out. And whether that is it's more pre-snap motion, whether that is uh, strictly a play calling thing or whether Russell Wilson's just, just not taking what's there and then the play calls are what they are. But at some point, you know, it has to be Russ who, who can find comfort in making those throws. Um, the Seahawks offense is going to be limited to a certain degree. And so... Um, I think I think the play calling critique is, is probably fair in this one. It probably wasn't his best game, um, you know. Even if we go back and have a rewatch, but um, I, I still think Russell Wilson owns a lot of this himself. I mean, his two passes in overtime, or two of his three, his two passes in overtime weren't catchable, and he takes a really bad sack. It's hard to look 
too much in terms of pointing fingers at Shane Waldron when, you know, number three, that's his moment. That's his time. He gets all the credit if he comes through, and, uh -huh. and I think he deserves plenty of the blame in this one for, for not coming through. And, and what Joe's talking about there, you know, not having enough offense over the middle of the field, that's where you expect your tight ends to help you out there, and they've got a very good tight end duo in Gerald Everett and Will Disley, and the fact that D. Eskridge was inactive in this game because of his concussion, that made me wonder if maybe the tight ends are going to be more involved in this game uh, than they were last week when you even saw in Indianapolis there was that one drive where they really got both those guys involved and you saw how good those tight ends could maybe be in this offense. Wist Disley did not have a catch. Everett had, I think, one catch on two targets for three yards. So the tight ends were, for whatever reason, not a factor in this game. Am I overreacting? I was very critical um, earlier on in this show, episode 159. I get really frustrated with bad clock management. The Titans had the ball with two minutes to go deep in the Seahawks' territory. They had tight, they had timeouts left Did the Titans. So did the Seahawks. And the Seahawks and, and, and Pete Carroll on the sideline were okay with the Titans essentially taking the time out of the, off the clock and scoring a touchdown and leaving them with no time as opposed to taking their timeouts. They had two and expanding the amount of time that Russell Wilson would have in the case that they needed three points in that last drive, which, of course, they did. Brady, is that too much to heap on, on Pete Carroll? Is that a fair criticism? And did he talk about any of that after? He did, and, and I think that he might agree with you there. And he was sort of vague. I, to be honest with you, I didn't fully comprehend uh, his response. But what he did say is that that was kind of the plan on that drive and then for whatever reason uh, they didn't do it and by the time they got down there by the time the titans uh, had drove down there I, I don't know i again i'm i struggled to really understand what carol was saying but he said that they kind of went away from that plan and he said at the end that he wished he could have done that he wished he would have done that a little better obviously one of many things the seahawks uh, should have done better in this game but yeah i was that was curious too it was I mean, obviously, we can second guess when they only took over with 24 seconds left, even with two timeouts. That's there's just not a, it's it's a lot to ask of an offense to go uh, that long in 24 seconds, even an offense and a quarterback who are really good at doing that. That's just not that much time. And so, yeah, I wondered about that. I also wondered about the Titans decision to kick the, the PAT as opposed to going for two when it was clear by that point that the Seahawks could not stop Derrick Henry. I, I like my chances, you know, not to play armchair coach or coordinator, but I would have liked my chances, you know, with Derrick Henry at the goal line there after what he had done to the Seahawks defense for the second half of that game. Mitch, I think you make a good point, and I think it's, but even beyond that, give yourself a shot. The, the three-yard pass to Travis Homer where he stays in bounds, he slips, he loses his footing, and then, you know, essentially at that point you're guaranteed for overtime. You blow one time out on three yards, and, you just think, my goodness, that that was the, and it was a pretty quick check down. And, you know, I think there's just so much to be frustrated because, like I said off the top, it was just comprehensive when you look at how it all fell apart. All righty, guys, it's not easy to do after a loss, but Taco Time Northwest is a great partner, and they're looking for people to do some work. Who was doing work? So Brady, Brady, with real, real kind intentions, said before we started, I'll go first. I'll be, I'll be happy to take the, uh, the pick of the litter. Go ahead, Brady. Who was doing work? And if you take Bobby Wagner, I'm going to be very, very upset. Go, Brady. No, I'm not going to. And by the way, I did you guys a favor and picked. I, I 
did not pick the obvious one last week in Russell Wilson, and then neither of you guys picked him. So I'm going to take the obvious one, or at least one of the obvious ones, okay. and say that Tyler Lockett was doing work. Eight catches on 11 targets for 178 yards, another touchdown. And by the way, he is, I believe that is 278 yards through two games. That is a franchise record uh, for the first two games of any season in Seahawks history. Steve Largent had the old record with, I think, 215 in 1978. All right. Bobby Wagner was doing work, Joe. I'm taking him right now. How many tackles did he have, Brady? He had 20. 20. All right. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, Bobby Wagner was doing some work. He was doing some Taco Time Northwest work with his 20 tackles, and he gets my game ball. Go ahead, Joe. What do you got? Derrick Henry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't have Derrick Henry. It's got to be a Seahawks. Jones. Seahawks. Oh, man. Uh, you guys took the two. I'm not going <laughs> to give anyone else the credit. Come on. Uh, How about Alton? No, I mean, Alton, Russell Wilson's Alton, numbers look really good. I Russell got, Wilson's I got number- one for you. Alton Robinson. Go ahead. Syracuse Orange, Alton Robinson coming around the side, making the sack, forcing the, forcing the fumble. We were us, we, we Orange. We were doing work on Sunday. No. Yeah, good on him. It's a good play. I, I still, I'm still speechless that Russell Wilson. They went three and out in a. I mean, that that was the game was over. That was a safety. I don't know how they they call that down the one. The, the game ended anyways. The Titans won. They deserve to win. But but man, yeah. I, that's my big takeaway. But Russ did work a lot of the game, but but he didn't get the job done in overtime. And I'm, I'm still shocked he didn't do more work than what he did. Hey Brady, I, I, this may be lost in the shuffle. Um, I can always edit it out because that's what we do on Mitch Unfiltered. It's filtered, really. It's unfiltered, <laughs> filtered. Uh, the Seahawks came to the line to go for it on fourth down late in the game. I think at their own 40 or 41-yard line. We didn't know whether they were just trying to draw them off sides. They were going to punt it anyway. But then they got an, a, a false start. I can't remember who it was. So I think it Damian was Damian Lewis. I think it was Damian Lewis. And my reaction on Twitter was, well, geez, if he's false starting – then that tells me they were going to run a play at the 41-yard line, their own 41-yard line, and try to go for it on fourth down. You remember the play, and and do we know for sure whether they were running something or trying to draw them off sides? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, in situations like that, you do, you know, fourth and one situations like that, you do see teams, you know, try to do that. Um, but the fact, like you said, that, that Damian Lewis false started, that suggests that they were going to run a play. And they yeah. also had this weird unbalanced line there where Gerald Everett was basically playing left tackle and they had both Brandon Shell and Dwayne Brown on the right side. So I don't know what to make of that, but. Yeah, I think that's a good point, that if Shell is false starting there, and, and who knows, because maybe, you know, somebody from, uh, maybe somebody from Tennessee did something to kind of make him flinch or whatever, but just one of many, many penalties that really cost them in this game. How about injuries coming out of Sunday's loss to the Titans, Brady? Go ahead. Yeah, the two that we heard about were Brandon Shell's sprained ankle. That was on, I think, at the end of regulation uh, to force DeMarco Jones to finish the game at right tackle. Carroll just called it a sprained ankle, did not know the severity of it. And the other one was an interesting one. It was DK Metcalf. Carroll said that he may have had a a sore knee or may have hit his knee on somebody. Um, He was not clear on what exactly happened with him or the severity. But if you watch that second down throw on the Seahawks' lone possession of overtime, I mean, Wilson throws it to Metcalf. And if you just look at Metcalf, he could hardly run on that play, let alone jump to try to make a play on that throw. So he was clearly not right there. I think that begs the question of what, what's the communication there? If, if Metcalf is so physically compromised that 
you know, he can't really do anything there. Why is he out there? If I mean, maybe maybe it makes sense to have him out there as as a decoy, but what what good is it to throw the ball to him when he can? You know, he was very again physically compromised. There. Joe, what do you think about Carlos Dunlap not playing a lot? I think when the snap Brady and Joe like to release on Twitter on Mondays and Tuesdays what the official snap count was. I think when you see those numbers, if we haven't seen them already, uh, people are going to be astonished at how few plays number eight healthy played for the Seattle Seahawks, almost to say that he's been beaten out by the Greens and other guys of the world, unless it just wasn't a, a good matchup against Tennessee. What do you think about that, Joe? Yeah, surprising. This is a guy who's a priority to bring back, and I know that he took a pay cut off of what he was scheduled to make, but he still re-signed for, for decent money here, and he's supposed to be the headliner of this defensive line and pass rush. So if you are deciding that, that he is he's no longer the top dog in that rotation, I would say it's pretty alarming. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see how many plays he got. I mean, I, he definitely was out there. He was out there. I saw him come out on the first possession. He didn't start the game, but he was there, and he was there. Um, I mean, I definitely saw him out there a, a handful of times. I, it, it, didn't, it did feel like he was not out there nearly as much as some of their other guys. Now, I know that the plan going into the season, or at least there was some thought in the organization that they've got such a deep rotation of pass rushers that it makes sense to, to manage Dunlap's snaps. He's 32 years old in his 10th season. So they did not want this to be like Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill, you know, when those guys were playing 70, 80% of the snaps every game. They just don't have to do that with all the options that they have. So it, it doesn't necessarily surprise me that He's not the lead guy in terms of snaps. I think Rasheem Green was um, last week in, in Indy, and Dunlap, I think, played 13 or 14 fewer snaps than Rasheem Green. So it's not surprising to me that he's not the top guy there, but it is. it would be surprising to me if he's playing, you know, half the number of snaps as the top guy. Joey, Joey No Table, Joey Vegas, how does last place feel in the NFC West at 1-1? One one? They're the only team that's lost a game, right? I think it doesn't feel great because you know the division's a challenge and you're never going to have an easy game when playing a division rival. But you look at all three teams, the Cardinals very lucky to win uh, with the Vikings missing a last-second field goal. Uh, even with the, the gaudy numbers their offense put up, the defense was, was getting carved up all game long by the Vikings. The Niners had their moments, especially in that first half where the Eagles outplayed them. They ended up winning um, more comfortably. You know, it was a one-score game, I suppose, but they closed it with the, the final drive and getting a couple first downs. And the Rams very easily could have lost to the Colts, and you can argue maybe would have had Carson Wentz not gotten injured and Jacob Easton, you know, throws that pick late in the game. So it's it's unfortunate because you never want to see that your entire division's two and zero except yourself. But it is only one game. It is a 17 game season now, and you you can look on tape and point to very obvious flaws in in your division rivals based on their play in week two. You just talked about how well the Vikings looked or played in Glendale against the Cardinals. Now you turn around, they're zero and two. You know how the NFL works; things even out. Good teams don't go 0-3, 0-4, and they haven't played a home game yet. They started off in Cincinnati, had to play in the Bengals' home opener with Burrow coming back, and then they had to play in the Cardinals' home opener. Well, now the Seahawks have to turn around and play in the Vikings' home opener in a place that traditionally is very loud and difficult to win. That's going to be, Joe, that's not going to be an easy ball game for the Seahawks 
on Sunday. It's not. Dalvin Cook got banged up late in that game. I don't know what his status is going to be for week three, but if he's healthy, you got to imagine after he watches Derrick Henry feast against the Seahawks defense, he's going to be licking his chops as well. Then you look at the challenge of Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. Well, it doesn't get any easier with Adam Thielen and, and Justin Jefferson uh, in Minneapolis. So you're talking about sort of similar offenses in that across the board, both at the running back position and with their pass catchers, they are absolutely loaded with top-end talent. And um, there's going to be a lot of soul-searching done this week in, uh, in that Seahawks locker room and, and both sides of the meeting rooms. And lots to figure out, but but certainly can't go one and two in the NFC West. And, and that makes this game really big. All right, so the three of us step up to a par three. All of us, all of our balls in the air looked really good. I mean, Joe, Joe Fans was all over the stick. You got to put a little backspin. That thing can't hit and jump off the green like that. As it turns out, Brady misses the green to the right. I miss the green to the left. Joe Fans looked like it's going to go in the hole. And then, oh, my pick was so good. Uh, so good. I was on it. It was so good that it rolled to the fringe and nobody got a KP. So we. I was to- on it. <laughs> Man, are we in the Tough. fringe or are we in the schmutz? You, you and I. Yeah. I, I guess that we would say that the schmutz and the fringe are the same. They're equal. There's no, there's no, uh, no win, no money, no money changing hands. So that's just the way it goes. So fan. It's a carryover. Carryover next. Oh, next I don't week know. Is do, worth we, two. do we play carryovers? We do. Oh, we can't play. We're playing carryovers. This could get expensive for for, <laughs> for Joey Summerlin. This is getting really, really expensive. All right. Okay. I did donate my first thirty dollars to the Saturday game at TPC Summerlin oh, this weekend. Oh, you did. Yeah, it was my birthday. I got out. Oh, They're like, you want to join us? Thank you. Birthday, you want to get? You want to get in on the uh, the Saturday game? And I said, sure. Why not? It's thirty bucks. It's Nassau. We got net. We got gross. We got skins. And I said, sign me up. Now my third hole, I, I have this just spectacular birdie on a magnificent hole really? over the canyon. Wow. And uh, But you have to confirm your birdies here at the old TPC Summerlin. By doing what? Par better than uh, next You hole? have to par the next hole. And uh, and Joey Vegas comes up and snaps hook. Joey snap no hooks table. His drive. Joey no Joe, table. Any Joey chance, no table. Any chance snap hooks his drive to the left. Any chance on your locker we can put on the locker? Joey no table instead of Joe Vegas? I'll see what I can do. <laughs> I'll see what I can do on that. All right, boys. Brady, good work. Uh, good work on Sunday. Thanks very, very much for being with us. And Joe Fan uh, from Vegas, we will reconvene with the Seahawks No Table. Uh, brought to you by Taco Time, Taco Time Northwest, and their pursuit of new employees at tacotimenw.com slash careers. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Mitch. We'll see you, Brady, on the, uh, on the Seahawks No Table on Thursday, all right? All right. Sounds good. Thanks, fellas. You know, there's just no better place to celebrate special occasions than Daniel's Broiler. And here's the CEO, Lindsey Schwartz. Hi, Lindsey. Hey, good to be back on. Let's start. The new downtown location, you're finally reopening it on a smaller level. Explain that to us. Yeah, finally. It's crazy to think. We've been closed for 15 months, but we feel like the time is right. Uh, There hasn't been a lot going on in downtown Seattle, but it's starting to pick up. So we're going to start small. We're just going to open the lounge Tuesdays through Saturdays. It opens at 4 o'clock, and we'll be doing our bar bites menus. It's got some steaks on there and drinks. And if you're downtown Seattle, come visit us. The Hyatt Regency in downtown Seattle. And with that opening, now we've got job openings at all four restaurants, right? You need people, you need employees, and it runs the gamut for you guys. 
Yeah, and we're doing better. We've been getting staffed up, but we still definitely have openings at all four locations, all positions in the kitchens and the dining rooms, full-time, part-time, very flexible. So if you know anybody or if you're interested, please come on in and see us. Special occasions, there's no place better than Daniel's Broiler World-Class Steakhouses. Takes the ball in his hands, gets it out to Brian Robinson. A move and a touchdown, Alabama. Sean McGrew is telling Richard Newton. In this opening quarter, has the tailback. McGrew with a jump cut to his left. McGrew to the end zone. 13 yards. Taco Time Northwest and its continuing pursuit of free agent workers present our weekly conversation with former player, former coach and current CBS college football analyst Rick Neuheisel and all that it takes is a quick virtual interview with Taco Time Northwest hiring across the board handing out some sizable signing bonus like NFL general managers and if if Neuheisel doesn't start changing his picking ways there are some great Taco Time drive through job openings Available as we speak, Neuheisel, and we can arrange you a 15-minute virtual interview with Taco Time if you don't start making some picks. Who knew that Lincoln Riley would have his poorest out offensive output in his young career there at Oklahoma? But uh, give uh, Scott Frost in Nebraska some credit for making that at least reasonable facsimile of the game 50 years ago. I did some research for... Uh, the preparation of our chat, our visit. And I've decided to look up the expression with friends like you who needs enemies. <laughs> and I found out that an old, an old vaudeville comedian named Joey Adams, who was born in 1911, was the first to ever use that line. And now I'm wondering if I have to get in touch with the Joey Adams family. He's long gone <laughs> to get permission to call this segment with friends like you, who needs enemies? Here's what I did. As you know, legalized sports wagering, and I lost. Tell me you did not go down to the so local close. casino once again. I Look, <laughs> I, if nothing else, I'm persistent. I lost with Neuheisel's <laughs> advice. Last week, I lost $55. And I had a friend. This is a true story. I had a friend who I used to work with at the radio station, a sales guy at the radio station who used to go to Vegas. And he was a blackjack player for a lot of years. After I tell you this story, you'll realize why he's not a blackjack player any longer. Okay? <laughs> His theory was, I'm going to start at $5, and every time I lose, I'm going to double the next wager. And I'm just going to double 10, 20, 40, 80, 160 until I win a hand. And as soon as I win a hand, I'm ahead for that group. I go back down to five. And this is the way he he approached blackjack. So what I decided to do was, you know what? I'm not betting 55 this time around on New Hudson. 110 One, large. 110. <laughs> now, I'm behind. I'm behind. But I'm telling you right now, before we get to the end, we're going 220. We are going 220 oh, next week. Goodness at the gracious. 
Do I do I need to send presents for the holidays for the children now? Well, because you won't be able to afford them. Well, Max, my oldest, left for the UW his sophomore year at the UW just the other night. And I said to him, you may want to go over to Bellevue College. Just <laughs> just take a detour. I don't know that we have. I don't know that we have to. Now, don't you worry, Mitch. Okay. I'm going to get you on the right path. Now, hold on. Hold on. I do need to give you credit because I'm going to be honest with you here. I could stop right now and not tell you the rest of the story. Or I can tell you that because of you, I also bet Michigan State – over Miami. Well, there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> so there we are. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll reset because I know that you're just off to a slow start like a lot of NFL teams. You're just off to a slow start and you're going to come on like gangbusters. You gangbusters, al- you, I tell you. You also told me, by the way, Rick Neuheisel, that you expected that Florida would be able to hang with Alabama. I did. And Florida did more than hang with Alabama. Give them a good scare. And maybe we saw some flaws. What do you take from on CBS, the Florida-Alabama 31-29 showdown in Gainesville? I I tell you, number one, I think Dan Mullen is a brilliant play caller. I think uh, have thought that for some time. He was uh, the first in my memory to go from one year as the leading passing team in the country to the very next year, the leading rushing team in the country. And yet that's exactly what he's done. I think Emory Jones gave a good accounting of himself. I know a lot was put on the shoulders of Anthony Richardson, the young freshman who might be a little bit more physically gifted than Emory. Uh, but he was unavailable because of a hamstring tweak. Emory was outstanding in the game. The two point play, you know, it didn't work. I think Emery probably tried to bite off a little more than he can shoot. Trying is what we call a zone read, mm-hmm. where he really wanted to keep it. That's why he rode him so far in. I'm ask but in riding him yeah. so far into the line of scrimmage, he let the read defender uh, actually take them both. And so there wasn't, he, he didn't uh, have the opportunity. If he just gives the ball and sprints around to the right, I think the kid had a much better chance to get to the goal line and score the two-point conversion. But that's the only nitpicking I'm going to make. Recording uh, in progress. I think that uh, I think that it was an outstanding uh, performance by the running game for Florida to go along with the quarterback that, I mean, to get over 200 yards rushing against the Crimson Tide. And it may have revealed, Mitch, a weakness, a a speed weakness. Now, Will Allen is a freshman All-American for Alabama, played with a knee injury. So I'm going to give him a little bit of a pass for not just absolute quick twitch for the Alabama defense. The rest of those guys may be just really physical guys, but I didn't see him getting off blocks and running. And so that makes me concerned for them when they play Ole Miss on October 2nd. Okay, I have a couple of follow-up questions. You kind of beat me to the punch as you normally did. I watched the entire game or a, a, a section, a good chunk of the game between Florida and Alabama, and I was wondering every time he ran that option, whether it was my imagination or was the quarterback waiting longer with the ball in the stomach of the running back before he made his decision. I don't remember other teams' quarterbacks 
really riding that running back for as long, almost to the line of scrimmage, almost to the line of scrimmage. And it seems to me that he might lose, the quarterback might lose his momentum if he decided to keep it and then go around the side. Am I wrong well, about that? No, no, you're you're absolutely right. You're astute. But it wasn't so much that he kept himself from getting where he wanted to go. It was he kept the running back because the running back has to stay in with in phase right. with, the, with the quarterback until it's given to him. And so he was unable to just burst and, and make the play, especially on the two-point play. Emery wants to keep it. Anthony Richardson wants to keep it. Quarterbacks all that are runners would like to keep it. You have to get to a place where you're happy g- given either result and just base it on what the defense does. Do you figure that we'll see a rematch in Atlanta? I was looking at the schedules. You started to talk about it here a second ago. I was stunned that Florida could play in the SEC and not play a ranked opponent for the remainder of the year except for the Georgia game, the the greatest, we used to call it, the greatest outdoor cocktail party. I don't think they call it that anymore. But um, they, they, they call it that. They just don't put it on any posters that way. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I I couldn't imagine that the Gators have a draw that they don't have to play a lot of the ranked, the ranked talent. in the well, they play, they play LSU. LSU may be ranked again by then. Okay. Uh, When you look at the preseason schedule and you realize your crossover games are Alabama and LSU, that doesn't look like the most favorable of draws. Right. Right. But, uh, but, but Georgia's the gate, the key game and Georgia, uh, looked really good against South Carolina. I don't think South Carolina is going to be a, uh, a great uh, team this year, but uh, I, I do think that uh, Georgia with JT Daniels in tow and the bunch of young receivers is going to be the real deal. That's going to be a whale of a game in late October in Jacksonville. Okay. And who do you think will win that game? October 30th. I think Florida is going to have to keep creating a little bit more of a passing game to go along with what's a beautiful quarterback run game. But if JT Daniels continues to play as he has, I think that they can have similar success as Alabama did offensively. And you might see a similar result. Did you catch any of the dogs finally kind of getting out of the doldrums and putting 52, hanging 52 on Arkansas state and, and Dylan Morris had a great uh, game. Finally, the, the offense clicked. They threw the ball around, and we're wondering maybe this is the start of the season. We're going to now start the season for the University of Washington. I did not see any of the game. I read the box score. I'm not surprised at all that there was an atonement, mm-hmm. uh, some sort of uh, you know a, a get-together, find a way to explode. Mm-hmm. And now I'm anxious to see where it leads because – in today's football, if you don't have a quarterback that runs, defenses can gang, gang up on your running game. If you're inefficient running the football, then you better have some special receivers. And all of that was not part of their offense in weeks one and two. They didn't have a number of the receivers were down. Right. They did not have a, a real running threat nor an offense that tried to feature the quarterback in the run game. Correct. And so they were behind the eight ball, hence the the results. But uh if they can get their running game going, then it can open up everything else. Okay. You were, I would think, critically involved with the UCLA game on Saturday I was, night. I, I watched that game as if I'm on the sidelines because <laughs> in some ways I you am. My tuition sideline. money is on the <laughs> sidelines. Yeah. Uh, so I, I watched that game and I root so hard. And I, I you've heard me be very, very complimentary of Chip Kelly 
and his acumen for running the football. He yeah. can get you in formations and, and get angles, and he's a geometry expert uh, in terms of finding ways to run the football. Fresno was just absolutely hell-bent to not let him do it. They decided, you can beat us 100 to nothing, but you're not going to do it running the football. And unfortunately, in the first half, they didn't get that. They didn't get that message and try to really throw the ball. And the, I think they had something like 15 or 20 plays in the first half of that game. It was it was a ridiculous time of possession advantage for Fresno State. And Jay Kaner, as you remember, right. the transfer from the University of Washington was outstanding. He would end the night, Mitch, with 455 yards passing. Yep. And unfortunately for the Bruins, uh, the magical beginning to the season is now over. They better recalibrate before they get to Stanford next week. And Hayner, by the way, not only did he have 455 yards, a couple touchdowns, I think I read somewhere where he's accounted for more touchdowns from the quarterback position than anybody in the country. So he's off to an, not just a good start in that game, he's off to a great start. What Are we learning something about Hayner maybe that we didn't know? He's a gutty performer that part of those numbers are a little skewed because he's played one more game. Okay. Uh, Fresno played in week zero against okay. UConn and won 45 to nothing. He had nearly 300 yards passing in the first half of that one. Poor UConn is, uh, you know, playing out the string. They, they do, they look uninvolved. It's, it's not fun to watch, but, uh, but Fresno state has been a great story. Keep that guy's name on, on your list. Uh, Mitch Kalen DeBoer is the new is the head coach there. He was a Jeff Tedford assistant. He went away and was actually uh, the offensive coordinator for Indiana uh, that first year where Tom Allen kind of caught a little fire. They went and played in the Gator Bowl. Mm -hmm. Then he came back to Fresno as the head coach as Jeff Tedford sat down for health reasons. He's a really, really good coach, and he uh, he taught UCLA a lesson last night. I don't think that you and I have visited since um, USC made a change. At we have uh, not at uh, the head coaching position. I saw their plane. By the way, do you see the picture of their plane? And Pullman tipped over. I uh, thought it was because they brought all the candidates for the job in the back end, and it, it just was a little overloaded. Because there's a, that's going to be a long line of people who want that job. Who's gonna, who's going to be the next head coach? Give me a couple of two, three names that you think might be. My the next best coach. guest is uh, James Franklin. I really? think James Franklin from Penn State. Yeah, I I, I think he's going to get a nice package to stay there, but I just feel like he's the persona. He's that LA kind of guy that will wear the LA shades and the sideline will be jumping. And I, I will not be shocked if he and the Penn state staff are at SC next year. By the way, did I see, did I read that he lost a down on Saturday night in the that SC, game against Auburn? It was a bad, it was a bad night for sec officiating. <laughs> I'm going to give you just a few examples. Are you going to the punt return against the Memphis? (laughs) Yes. Yes. An SEC officiating staff there too. Yeah. So we've got in, in the, the game in happy Valley. Yeah. They throw, they call intentional grounding on Sean Clifford with intentional grounding. As you know, you, the ball is spotted at the point Point where the the guy threw the ball, but you do not get, the down, you lose the down as well. Sure. Well, they took losing the down to a new level because instead <laughs> of twice. <laughs> go- going to second down, that was on first down. Yeah. Instead of going to second down, it went all the way to third down. 
<laughs> and no one noticed it until it became all of a sudden they said they fourth the down. Ball. They punted the ball. And now they're having to punt. And James Franklin's going, wait a minute. <laughs> We've only had two downs. And they went back and saw that the earlier down was still third. So they said, no dice. You can't have it. No one noticed that they just didn't have a second down. So he did miss an entire down and gave uh, uh, the sideline reporter just the absolute stare down when the question was asked at halftime. <laughs> Said nothing, just the stare down. And uh, then uh, in uh, the venerable old Liberty Bowl yes. where Memphis was hosting Mississippi State, yeah. we saw a punt uh, return that Crazy. was one to behold because – the punt returner basically waved the fair catch. Actually, he didn't. He just ran away. He didn't wave a fair catch. He just ran away from the ball, hoping that it would bound into the end zone. The uh, Mississippi State coverage team caught the ball, but then dropped it. Another one came and touched it, but left it there on the ground. Now, the SEC officiators were waving their hands over the top of their heads to signal it, the inadvertent whistle. And, the, by, the they, way, they, and they, by the way, this is at the, like the, th- the, the seven-yard line. This is like line. at the 10-yard Ten line. 10-yard line, right. Yes, yes. yes. The okay. <laughs> returner, who was absolutely Johnny on the spot, because yeah. the coaching point is, if that ball's sitting there, even though it's been touched, yeah. you have a risk-free ticket. Yeah. Because even if you go pick it up and run with it and fumble it, you still get the ball at that spot. Correct. But he picked it up, and 90 yards later, <laughs> much to the chagrin of Hale State, cowbells will be used for different <laughs> uses in Starkville. Uh, it, it, was a, it was a nightmare. But the SEC, as uh, they've had a, a, a great deal of times, had to say, we're sorry, we kind of booted that call. Oh. I have two last ones for you before you get get your picks. Two last quick questions. The USC game that I didn't see against Washington State, the great quarterback got hurt really early in that game, and they right. brought in a uh, – they always have renowned young Jackson Dart. Jackson Dart, the newest of the the uh, the gunslingers that do they have, uh, hail do they have a co- Troy. Do they have a quarterback controversy now? The kid threw for like five, 450 yards, right? Yeah, he was phenomenal. I think it was more a uh, bad day for the Cougars than it was a great day for Jackson Dart. But okay. when your first game, you go in there and have that kind of performance, yeah. there's no question that there's going to be a lot of bluster. I cannot imagine if Keaton Slovis is healthy, they won't start okay. Keaton Slovis. And then the other thing I wanted to mention to you, I saw where BYU has already now beat Utah. They're 3-0. and and Arizona They're 3-0 in the Pac-12 South. And they're going to be two touchdown favorites the rest of their games, the rest of the year, until they play. They got USC in the final game, a weird game. USC in the final game of the year, I think. But up until then, it'll be smooth sailing. Is anybody going to beat BYU? And are we going to be talking when, you know, in about eight or eight or nine weeks? Are we going to talk, how does BYU figure into the whole Final Four equation. BYU was outstanding. The whiteout in Happy Valley captured the nation's atten- uh, attention. Yeah, I'm telling you, the whiteout in Provo was Great. as impressive, okay. and it drove Arizona State crazy. Arizona State had I don't know 15, 16 penalties. They were woefully unprepared to play in that kind of environment, and uh, the right team won that game. Okay. All right. In your official picks. Week one, you gave me North Carolina State. 
against, against Mississippi State, and I think that North Carolina, I think the Wolfpack still haven't scored in that game. And then <laughs> in week two, I was told that Oklahoma's going to not only beat Nebraska. You liked the way that game started when they went right down the right field, Right down didn't you? the field, and then they didn't do anything for about three quarters. Oh, no. And everybody and all the management at the Snoqualmie Casino was giggling. I can tell you that. They were giggling. And all they kept on saying is, New Heisel, keep giving him picks. Keep giving him picks. He's going to come in with another briefcase with the oh, cash. The pain. And- the pain of it all. All right. I, we're going to the Big 12 this week. Okay. We're going back to where I began my coaching career. Okay. Actually, I was in the Big 8 to begin my coaching career. It then moved quickly yeah. to the Big 12. Yeah. Where, as you know, Baylor was invited to join from those teams that joined us from the Southwest Conference only because the governor of the great state of Texas, Ann Richards, was a Baylor alum. Did not know that. She would not sign the thing until <laughs> Baylor was part of the of the package. So uh, Baylor, no conflict of interest there. But go none ahead. whatsoever. The okay. great Ann Richards, okay. wearing her Baylor green. Sure. Baylor is uh, hosting Iowa State this week. Iowa State, as you know, is a top ten team, but we're beaten at home by Iowa, and Brock Purdy was pulled from the game. They got back on the road this week. They won easily at uh, UNLV. I'm going to take Iowa State, who I think has a fantastic defense, on the road at Baylor. I think Brock Purdy will get back up on the horse. I like uh, Iowa State. I think they are a a five-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm going to lay the five-and-a-half. And and, uh, despite the fact that the Bears are 3-0, and we're going Cyclones. Okay. If you're listening at the Snoqualmie Casino, <laughs> I'm coming to town. Don't think that you With could be. 220. <laughs> don't you dare think that I'm not coming to town. Two two weeks don't scare me off the horse. Do you have any thoughts on this Notre Dame-Wisconsin game or the A&M-Arkansas game? Those two, two games seem to be the marquee matchups this week in college football. I haven't seen the over-under on Notre Dame-Wisconsin, but I would be on a low-scoring game there. They're both uh, – playing well defensively. If I had to lean, I would lean Wisconsin. And that's going to draw the ire of Cincinnati fans. Cincinnati, Mitch, came into the week ranked eighth, beat Indiana, uh, the darlings of last year, by two touchdowns and still are eighth. Mm -hmm. Proving once again in the current format, a group of five team can't get there. Their hope is that Notre Dame can have an impressive performance against Wisconsin. Cincinnati has a bye. They go to uh, South Bend next week. Okay. Maybe they get to catch the Irish as a, as a ranked, highly ranked opponent. My guess is that Wisconsin wins the game. If Iowa State doesn't win this game yes. by the appropriate amount of points, you yes. can expect to hear a brand-new produced open call, calling this segment <laughs> With friends like you, (laughs) who needs enemies? Ladies and gentlemen, brought to you by Taco Time Northwest. They're looking for great new talent at all the Taco Time Northwest locations. He's my friend. He'll always be my friend. 220, 440, 880. He'll always be my friend, Rick Neuheisel. Thank you, Rick. Those were the track events we ran in back 100 years ago before we went to the metric system. (laughs) Talk to you next week. See you, buddy. If you've listened to Mitch Unfiltered, then you know. You know by now that Jordan Flowers and his squad has changed teams to cross-country mortgage, which means even better opportunities 
at your fingertips. And here he is, Jay Flo himself, Jordan Flowers. How are you, Jordan? Hey, I'm doing great, Mitch. Thank you so much. It's been a fun and active summer with this transition. I've talked to so many of your patrons and listeners that have followed us and been able to connect with us since we left. But uh, we are just learning so much more about this company than we even knew as far as products and what we're able to offer our clients and quick closings. And it's been phenomenal. Give us an example. You and I were talking before we started to record. Give me an example of something that you can do now, a product that's at your fingertips now that wasn't there with the other guys. Yeah, uh, we have a construction to perm product that has really been hard to get just for anybody locally. Banks have backed out on true custom construction loans. Most independent mortgage bankers don't have it. And we have it here. And it's one of the best I've seen since the early 2000s. I was talking to the head of the construction department just yesterday on a $1.4 million deal in Montana. And there are some really fantastic, unique things about our product that really really make buying that lot and building that dream home a reality for people, including being able to finance in your payments during a construction so you don't ever have to make a payment during construction. It just gets accounted to the actual loan balance, as well as a lot of the issues tend to come down to draw requests with builders and getting their subcontractors paid quickly. Mm -hmm. We pay out based off the budgeted line item on the proposal versus having to submit invoices and receipts and then go through the process of paying out Very so cool. a lot of great things here and you roll straight into a permanent 30-year fixed in the three to three and a quarter range right now so fantastic 30-year fix for it and if you're just in the market to refinance and, and get better numbers on your current 30-year fix what are they and why would people that are sitting around with four percent interest rates why are they not making the call to you or somebody like you to explore their options? Well, if they're sitting in the high threes or above four, they've probably heard maybe I talked to your patrons too long, maybe, <laughs> who knows. But it's a fantastic time to refinance and rates are still in the mid to upper twos to low threes, depending on your situation. And it's a great time to tap into equity in the home if you've been putting off those home projects or you're wanting to go on a trip or invest or just have money ready to put into this crazy market. And I implore everybody to give me a call if you're thinking about refinancing mid threes or above, even low threes, depending, and mm -hmm. you want to shorten the term. Mm -hmm. It's just the time to do it. And the Fed came out and said that they're going to maybe start tapering here soon, which could have impact on mortgage-backed securities and interest rates. So it's the time to do it. Phone number. You can always reach me on the cell, 425-890-2957. 425 that's uh, Jordan Flowers and his team now, the Kirkland office of Cross Country Mortgage, great partners of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. For tonight's ceremonial first pitch, and please welcome the president the United States.
our next guest on this episode 159 received a special unexpected letter last week which flooded him with memories of a 2001 October night in the Bronx. Here's former 11-year big league catcher and one-time Yankee Todd Green. Hi, Todd. Hi, Mitch. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for being on the show. Tell us about the letter. Tell everybody in our audience what you received. Well, I, I received a letter from, from uh, President Bush saying that, that um, you know, as the 20th anniversary uh, of September 11th shows up, which are our, our time we spent on the field together. Um, he's talked about it often and, and just wanted to let me know that that I am part of the story. And, and um, it was kind of um, meaningful to me. I mean, he didn't have to do that, certainly. And for him to take the time to handwrite a note and, and send it to me was a pretty cool deal. So you're the answer to the trivia question, right? The man that was on the receiving end of the most memorable first pitch in Major League Baseball history – something like 49 days after the worst day in American history. How often do you think about it, Todd? How often do you think about that moment in time where you ended up out there? And we'll tell everybody how it happened. Well, I think about it every year around when we get close to September 11th or um, when we get to the World Series, too, and, mm-hmm. and, and you see all of the, the, the first pitches that are being thrown. And, again, it's a pretty cool deal to be a part of. You know, I wasn't supposed to do it, so there was no build-up, no, no, no time to be nervous or, or, or intimidated about the moment, for sure. So, uh, it was just a cool thing to be a part of. Very, very uh, healing time for us, and, and showed a, a symbol of strength for President Bush to be out there doing that. Yeah, sure. you were the backup to Jorge Posada, who was in the bullpen with Roger Clemens. Clemens took a long time to warm up on that October 30th, 2001, right? Yeah, uh, Jorge was supposed to catch it, and, and Rocket was pitching. And, 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 you know, the timing of everything was so disrupted that day with, as you may remember, the anthrax scares were going around in time, too. Yeah. So the, 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 the dogs were coming through to sniff the clubhouse every 30 minutes. And, you know, even up until when President Bush landed outside the stadium, wherever you were at, you were kind of sealed off and, and pretty much locked down. So – uh, that could have had something to do with Rocket uh, uh, being behind pace, being ready for the game, too. But either way, uh, Jorge was, was down in the bullpen and, and did not make it back into the uh, into the dugout in time to catch that pitch. Couldn't anybody have grabbed their glove to go out for Jorge and catch the pitch? How how, do, how was it you? doesn't have to be a catcher, or does it have to be a catcher? Um, no, it, it doesn't have to be a catcher. It's just typical for me to be there and that I guess every team probably does a difference specifically now but back then it was just customary for the backup catcher if the starter was playing that night for you to run out and catch the first pitch I'd done it several times that year and mm-hmm. you know that's part of my pregame routine is to put my catching glove around the top step to be ready to go out in that situation uh, and or to go warm up the pitcher if Jorge was left on base or left on deck right. or, or something to that nature. Right. So it's 49 days after the horrendous attacks on our country and our freedom. It's game three of the World Series. It's Yankee Stadium in the Bronx. You guys are 0-2 down to the Diamondbacks. It's so vivid in my minds and our minds. When and how did you find out that the president was going to do this? How far before the game did you know? Well, I think we knew – I think everybody – I think we found out when we got to the stadium that night. We may have known the day before, to be honest. I can't remember mm-hmm. uh, thinking back to it. But in all likelihood, we probably didn't find out till that day when, when we were going through all the security measures that were going to be taking place. 
that he was going to be there. So I, it could have been the day before too. Yeah. I just can't remember. Yeah. But but either way, it, it was um, things were different. I mean, coming back for that game in New York sure. and, and the security measures and everything that were taking place for sure. Came out later that his security team, Todd, you probably read this, wanted him to throw out the first pitch at either games one or two in Phoenix because it was safer. It was a safer environment than New York, but he insisted it had to be New York, it had to be the Bronx, it had to be Yankee Stadium. Yeah, well, again, what I would say is is uh, regardless of, of politics are so bad now compared to the way it was back then, but I think it was important for him to do it in New York. That's where the attacks took place. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was also where the, the anthrax and the other scares were going on uh, in and around our city at the time. And for, for him to, to demand that and say, this is about showing our country uh, strength. It's about a healing process for our country. And, and to, to me, it was great leadership on his part to, to demand doing it in New York. You, you mentioned it earlier. There's already tight security in New York around the Yankees. The Yankees are a different breed than everybody else. But it must have been suffocating, you know, where we were to just a few weeks removed from the attacks. Here he is. Did you see the snipers, for an example, on the roof of, of Yankee Stadium? We knew they were there. I, I can't say that I saw them, but we knew they were there. Again, that was part of, of the information that we were given and what was going to be going on in and around the, the, the build-up to the game and during the game until until President Bush exited the right, stadium. Right. And now he gets announced the USA-USA chance as he approaches the mound. He's in a bulletproof vest. I guess you use the word electric, but I'm not even sure that there's a word that does does the explanation justice, Todd. Yeah, that, that, that's fair. I mean, electric may be selling that, that, that moment short. I mean, it, it was so uh, – the, the, the stadium it was really loud. It was rocking. President Bush walked up to the top of the mound, walked right past the, the temporary mound they had put out there for him mm-hmm. um, and just kind of soaked it in for a moment and then gave the thumbs up. Right. And, and you know, those USA chants were, were about as loud as I've ever been a part of in, in a stadium anywhere. So are you nervous at that particular moment when he's about to deliver the pitch? Because you have no idea where this pitch is headed. As it turns out, it was right down the middle, right down right down the center of the strike zone. And we'll talk about the two hands that you used to catch the ball. But you, you had probably caught some really bad ones that year and, and in your career as a Major League Baseball catcher. Some bad first pitches, Todd. Absolutely. And, and so what, what I would say – so what I would say is I, I was prepared to make sure that President Bush was not going to be embarrassed w- with a bad throw or and I wasn't going to embarrass myself either. So uh, I was prepared and ready to move, to jump up, to, to squat down, whatever I had to do to be ready to, to catch that pitch and, and uh, keep us both looking clean uh, uh, for, for the crowd and, and, and the, the fans who are watching on TV. But again, as you mentioned, uh, he threw a perfect pitch right down the middle. Right down the middle. And, uh, made it easy for, for me, for sure. I, I recently saw an interview with you where you described the story of catching it two-handed and how you teach all the young people out there not to catch the ball two-handed. Go through that with me. You 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 use that yeah, second hand. Well, that, <laughs> I, I did, I did. And, and just probably as, as more of a security effort. But I, I do believe um, from, from a teaching baseball standpoint, the most incorrect taught thing in all of baseball everywhere is to catch the ball with two hands. Well, 
they, they came up with these things called hinge gloves about 70 years ago. Where you, <laughs> don't, you don't need the second hand anymore. So uh, um, you just have way more athleticism and freedom with one hand. But on that particular uh, catch, for whatever reason, I just decided to make sure I secured the ball like I was a 19... 19- 20s catcher or something like that so it, it, uh, yeah so I, I caught it with two hands i can sure that the catching metrics of today are still good hey todd what's the story about jeter and president bush during his warm-up what was that conversation did did jeter was jeter responsible for him going all the way back on the mound would he have thrown the pitch from in front of the mound do you think I don't know if he would have, but but as I said earlier, Mitch, we got shut down. So w- when his helicopter landed outside of Yankee Stadium that night, yeah. wherever you were at, you, you were you were sh- you were locked down. And so Derek just happened to be in the cage, and so he he was shut down in there. And President Bush wanted to make sure he threw some balls to get loose before he went out there to throw the pitch. Mm-hmm. And Derek just happened to be in the cage, and, and so Derek played catch with him down there, and told him, said, hey. President Bush, you know, you 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 better not throw from that that short mound. The the, the crowd will boo you. <laughs> and, and so, and so obviously we didn't know this till after the fact. Um, but sure enough, I mean, uh, I, I don't know if he would have stopped at the short mound. I mean, I I I I would imagine he was going to to the to the real mound no matter what. Todd, when it's all said and done, you play 10 or 11 years. You worked really hard. You were a good baseball player. You made it to the major leagues. You hit in the 250s in your career. You hit 70-plus home runs. Are you okay all these years later with people remembering you for that moment? Is that all right for you? Yeah. I I, I mean, it was a huge moment in our country's healing process of, as you said uh, in the introduction, of the worst day in American history. Uh, And so – uh, I, I'm very honored and proud to be a part of that moment. It, it, it is my proudest moment I did as a player. I had walk-off hits, walk-off homers, and caught complete game shutouts and, and uh, hit a double off Randy Johnson in that World Series. And so I, I've done some really cool things as a player and, and been a part of cool things too. But, but that moment by far outshines any other thing that I did from a personal standpoint for sure. You beat me to the punchline. You're not supposed to. I was saving the one for two in the World Series. We're out here in Seattle, and I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna set it up on a tee for you to tell us who you got the base hit off of. But you stole, you stole my thunder on that. Tell me about that at uh, bat in Arizona, please. Well, well, again, I would have much rather again, I'd much rather us had been winning that game and me not play <laughs> to have the opportunity to hit it. But Randy was just dominating us that night. The unit was was spectacular again. Um, as he was throughout that whole World Series, and they got up to a big lead, and 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 Joe wanted to get get some. I, I don't know if he wanted to get some of the players off their feet, or if he wanted just to make sure he got us in the game. Either way, mm-hmm. um, I got in the game and um, hit an absolute laser off the left field wall <laughs> off the unit, and, and you know strolled in the second base like I knew what I was doing, and, and so. <laughs> fastball or slider? Oh, it was a fastball, fastball. And, and, and let me just tell you, Mitch, real quick. I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, you, you've probably heard these stories, but, I mean, we knew every pitch he's throwing. I mean, th- that's how dominant the unit was. It's pretty much every hitter in the league knew every pitch that was coming and still couldn't hit him for the most part. So, how'd, you, how'd you know what was um, coming? Well, he, he kept his pitches his whole career. <laughs> um, but at, least the part, at least the part that I was in the big leagues. And, and so – 
I was a dead fastball hitter who hadn't seen a pitch in about two weeks. And so um, <laughs> I got in there and knew the fastball was coming and dialed it up and let it go. How close were you to hitting it out? Well, I put a hole in the wall. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I think it was about three feet, three feet uh, uh, down the wall. It hit right, probably right uh, around in the middle of the wall. Well, good so. for you, and you have that you have that memory. Although that won't be what we all remember about that World Series when it, as it relates to Todd Green, he caught the the the, the incredible first pitch that we'll all remember. Those of us that are old enough will always remember. By the way, before I let you go, you know we're still a little bitter out here. You weren't even supposed to be in that World Series. You know who was supposed to be the American League representative in the 2001 World Series, right, Todd? You don't need me to tell you who that was supposed well, to be. The almighty <laughs> Seattle Mariners, right? I mean, Lou famously went on after after game two and said, we will be back. Yep. I, I think if you'll remember that. And, and you know, we, we were just pretty much a bad matchup for Seattle that year. I mean, we just really were with the pieces we had from a, from a bullpen and starting and the way our lineup shaped up. So um, they were, they had an incredible year and um, it, it just so happened that, um, you know, we lost our first two games to Oakland before that next round. And if, if Oakland could have finished us off, Seattle probably would have went to the world series and possibly won it. 116 wins. One, 116 wins, Todd. We're very bitter out here. We'll always be bitter until the Mariners get one. 116 wins in 2001, and they didn't even get a chance, thanks to you guys, to play for the World Series. Todd Green, nice enough to join us on Mitch Unfiltered after that incredible moment on October the 30th, 2001. He just received a letter from President Bush remembering that day 20 years ago. Todd, what a great pleasure it is to have you on Mitch Unfiltered. Thanks for doing it. I hope our paths will cross again. I look forward to it, Mitch. Thanks for having me on, bud. Hey, it's Financial Trivia Time with Katie Versio, Senior Financial Planner for our partner at Evergreen Golf Call. Hi, Katie. Hi, Mitch. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you back. I think I may have embarrassed myself with an 0-3 performance the last time. I'm ready to do better. Is there a theme to this? Yes, the theme today, it's a mid-year market update. I figured it'd be good to just check in. There's been a lot of movement and just see where things are. Okay, I'm ready. Question number one. All right, let's see how closely you've been paying attention to the market. The first one is an easy one. It's a true or false. Value stocks are outperforming growth stocks this year. I'll say true. Ding, ding, ding. That's correct. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, for the last... 10 years or so, growth has really outperformed. Those names like Amazon, Facebook, Google have really been doing well. And this year, we've seen a little bit of a trend reversal. Some of those tech names have struggled earlier this year and value has outperformed. Okay. Question number two, I'm one for one. All right. So the next one is about inflation. So this is a very hot topic in the market today. What is the current one-year inflation rate from June 2020 to June 2021? So how much have the cost of goods and services in the economy grown over that one-year period? Is it 1%, 2.5%, 4.6%, or 5.4%? Clearly it's over four. The question is, is it over five? I'll go C. Four point, what was it? Four point six percent. I think he gave me a C. Yeah, so that's actually incorrect. Huh? It's D five point four percent. 
So this is a huge number. It hasn't been seen since 2008. Costs and goods and services have really been increasing. This is a big trend that our investment team is watching and we're really have been over the last six months or so repositioning portfolios to adjust for this new trend we're seeing. All right, still a chance for me to go 667, Katie. Lay number three on me. In 2021, what's the best performing asset class so far? Is it real estate investment trusts, energy, large cap stocks, or financial stocks? Well, I think it's large cap stocks. Is that not right? I'm sorry, Mitch, that is incorrect. Oh. Most years, it is large cap stocks, and all of these asset classes have performed well, but the top performing asset class is energy this year. It's up over 40%, I'm sure. Your listeners probably experience that when they go to get gas. We sure do. Well, 0 for 3 last time, 1 for 3. I'm moving in the right direction. We love Katie Versio. We love Evergreen Golf Call. Everything wealth. Unfiltered. Other stuff segment. Normally, we mention Washington in the first. Did you watch any of the archive? I mean, they didn't even have anybody there. Yeah, I, well, there was I like was... nobody there. My my son was there taking pictures of empty sections yeah. of Washington, Arkansas State. I tweeted that. out a picture of a, a car, a vehicle I saw going down 405. It was the coolest, enormous husky trailer with a barbecue already built into the back. And I, I was thinking to myself. God bless people still going and tailgating at Husky <laughs> Games. I mean, God, you could, I, I, I don't have it in me to go to an 0-2 stadium, yeah. and the people are still loving it. Maybe so they turned the corner. Maybe, yeah. I, I went back and watched every touchdown and watched uh, Heward come out. Everyone was all excited about He was trending, of course, on Twitter. I'm like, <laughs> okay, leave this kid alone already. Sheesh. But, yeah, I watched as much as I could. I went back and watched all the 52 points. Yeah. The quarterback played well. Dylan Morris played very well. He did. Um, they started – they started calling the game like they're in the year 2021 <laughs> instead of the year 1945. Yeah, maybe he heard us. They opened it up a little bit, and they they trusted their wide receivers. They got a couple wide receivers back who made plays. They also dropped a lot of balls. Wide receivers dropped a lot of balls. But maybe this is exactly what they needed. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, California, I guess, this week. So we'll wait and see whether this means anything. But good news for Washington fans, at least for a week, 52 points on the board. For their offense and maybe like you said this is something that can help dylan morris's confidence because yeah in the first half i watched all his touchdowns and he, his feet still looked a little happy because he was bailing out of the pocket the first game or two and then in the second half he would stand up in the pocket and fire it down he just he looked like a different guy in the second half so maybe this will help his confidence i don't know how good he is yeah he may be good he may be not so good but we saw him last year enough to know uh, john donovan did him no favors right jimmy lake yeah. and john donovan in the first two That's weeks fair. Yeah. did him no favors yeah. now maybe you'd say oh he would have been shit no matter any way they approached those two games offensively we don't know that but they did him no favors at least in this game and maybe because it was the opponent they decided you know what let's play the game yeah let's go out and have a little fun let's throw the ball on first down let's throw the ball down the field let's 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 play like, as I said, it's 2021 and not 1945. Yeah. And they did, and they scored. I don't, so we'll see what happens next. I don't think he's this good all year, but I definitely don't think he's Montana bad. I think he's probably no. somewhere in the middle. I said on Twitter, and I, I stand by it, had they called the game against Montana, the games against Montana and Michigan, had they called off, if they, if they, had they approached those games offensively with their play calling, I know they didn't have the wide receivers, had they, strategy-wise, had they gone into those games and called them like this one, they would have beaten Montana easy, yep. and they would have 
given Michigan a game. Maybe not one given Michigan a game. And we and then they would have killed Arkansas State. They'd be two and one with a close call loss to Michigan, and we'd be feeling just fine about them. And the Huskies are gonna run the table the rest of the year and be outraged when they don't make the playoffs. No? That's not gonna happen? Okay. They may run the table, but they're not gonna be outraged. <laughs> okay, fine. You saw, by the way, that UCLA lost to Fresno State late night on Saturday, and the quarterback of Fresno State is this guy, Josh Hayner. Oh, yeah. 39 of 53, 455 yards, two touchdowns against UCLA. That's the guy. Wait, wait. that sounds like someone like, I would love for the Huskies to have a guy like that. Well, they had him. That would be perfect. They had him. Who needs that guy around your program? They had him. Jacob Eason came in from Georgia, sat out for the one year, and then when Eason was announced the starter over Hayner in that year. He bailed. He bailed. Yeah. He went to Fresno State, and now he's one of the top quarterbacks in the country. Who needs that at your program? Just want to point that out. <laughs> gotcha. And, and Eason, like, kind of a disappointment at UW, by the way. It's like he came in for and won the Heisman one year and then left. I mean, you know, he was okay. I, you know, I, I know that Washington fans did not like Jacob Eason's year and did not like him. I think he got a little bit of a bad rap, okay. personally. I saw him come into the game on Sunday and, and throw a pick to Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, he looked good. Yeah. <laughs> he was in a tough situation. I don't blame him at all. He might be a good quarterback one day, but yeah, that was tough for yeah. him. Other stuff segment, episode 159. What do you got on your list? It was a matter of time before this happened. There's a new presidential candidate in the Philippines. Everyone's been talking about this guy. He's the most beloved person in the history of the Philippines. His name is Should Manny Pacquiao. Oh, stop it. He's right. Well, you know, is he, he really? He was already a politician. He ran for something. Um, what, what did he run for? Uh... I can't remember. He was a politician. Oh, he ran. He was a senator in 2016. He was elected as a senator, grabbing more than 16 million votes. So, it's not laughable. People love him in the Philippines. Did he win? Well, no. He's just oh. he's just saying he's accepted the nomination of his party, the PDP Laban Party. So we'll keep an eye on that. He might be the just president. Just the man of the I want to run the country, Manny Pacquiao. <laughs> I know, man. Hey, California elected Schwarzenegger. All bets are off, right? I mean, and Jesse Ventura ran Minnesota for a while. Oscar De La Hoya in 2024. <laughs> That's right. May as well. <laughs> Why not? Uh, All right, your turn. I told you that I'd keep you up to date on my sports wagering at the Snoqualmie Casino. Everybody knows by now that sports wagering is now legal in the state of Washington. Yep. I know a lot of the um, the tribal casinos are trying to catch up and get their sports books open. I don't know who's open, who's not. But it's near you, and it's close-ish to me, and they've got a a, um, a Mongolian cafe. What I call, Mongolian, Mongolian grill, grill yes, yeah. at the buffet, yeah. yes. Fight free, by the way. I promised you that I would, since it's now legalized in the state of Washington, mm-hmm. that I would take one for the team and wager every week and keep a running total to see whether this is good, a good news for the Levy family, that <laughs> sports wagering is now legal in Washington, or whether it's bad news. Is that why Max is at BCC now? Yeah, that's why okay. Max And my, my, my inclination is it's bad news for most of us. <laughs> okay. Because that's the way these things work. Normally, they win and we lose. Yeah. Well... I'm in, a ba- I'm in a battle with the Snoqualmie Casino. The first week, I took three games. I bet $50 on each game. Yep. I won one. I lost two. I was down $55. Okay. All right? But feeling really good. I took Neuheisel's advice. I went and bet Oklahoma minus three touchdowns against Nebraska. They won by one. <laughs> <laughs> really? And I was feeling so good that I went. That I went. They won by one. Uh, they won by one touchdown. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I was feeling so good that I decided, you know what, 50 bucks, we're going up to 100 Wow. We're going up 200. I use the Jeff Antush blackjack yeah. strategy. You know it, the blackjack yeah, strategy? It's just good science. Go on. I know what you're talking you about. You know what he did? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. He used to start at $5. If he lost, the next one was 10 uh, yeah. If he lost, the next one was 20 He would just double it until he won one hand. Yeah. And if he won one hand, he would actually be a winner for that group. And then he'd go back to five. Right. right. That, was the, that was the Jeff Antush. Yeah. Uh, 
he's not playing blackjack anymore. Uh, <laughs> That's right. It's just good he's math. Not allowed. <laughs> he's not allowed. So I decided to go double up, and I bet three games. And um, yeah, uh, I go went, on. I went one. I went one and two again. You did. Yeah. So now you're down one sixty or whatever that is. Yeah, I think it's 165. What, 65? I think the, it's 165. The Vigs? Yeah. All right. Or maybe 175. What does the next Friday uh, hold for you? I'm just, giving you? I'm just giving you the update. Okay. And I'm telling you when I lose, hopefully one of these days I'm going to win, and when I do, That's right. I'm coming in with the information. I still feel like I've got the upper hand with these guys. You do? So, yeah. What makes you feel that? They all giggle when I show up, when they open my door. <laughs> yeah, here he is. Here he is. <laughs> Okay, we can all go to lunch now. He's yeah. here. Our lunch money. Now, did our you, bell cow's here. Did you eat again there? Or no. no. Bets only. Bets only. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So well, thank you for I'm, keeping I'm, us so I, up to date. So I, I lost, I think I lost 120. So I lost one, uh, one, 55. One, oh, yeah, I'm at 175. We should just do units. That, that, that's what us, we... No, no, no. That's what we pros no, do. We do I units. want, by the end of this year, I want everybody to know what legalized sports wagering has done for the Levy family. What, <laughs> how embraced the Levy family is with this new found love. Okay, well, okay? that's good to know. All right. All right I, and I'll have a report again next week. I appreciate it. Yeah. Now, I love this kind of stuff probably more than most, but yeah. a, an abandoned McDonald's on a now defunct Alaskan naval base has been preserved in time since the early 90s. Yes. Some pictures were making the rounds of this McDonald's, and it's so well preserved that it's still advertising promotional dino-sized fries as part of a tie-in with Jurassic Park. What? That came out in like 93. This what? McDonald's was abandoned. Yeah. Just abandoned. And it still is. Looks like it did in 1993. Yeah. Like people are taking pictures of it. Like it's got like the neon blue on the booths. Yeah. Do you remember the the drive-through menu used to be brown, and then kind with, of, with maybe, the white letters. Of. Yeah. It's like the old. It's just sitting there. It's just sitting there. Just uh, they walked away from it. You and I can take it. over it. We, well, there's no more naval base. <laughs> so <laughs> well, that kind of hurts business. Yes, it kind of does. So yeah. anyway, go if you like that yeah. kind of stuff. Like I love like abandoned amusement parks. Yeah. It's just interesting. So yeah. go, go look that up if you want to see it. Okay. I have a Ted Lasso report. Oh, boy. At last check, I told you that the family has decided or the, the wife and I have decided to start watching Ted Lasso. Yeah. And you watched two episodes last I heard. I had watched two episodes and I told you. Yeah, you're, it felt a lot like Major League. You, you have not watched it yet. No, I, I don't have I, Apple do you have Plus. Any, oh, so you're never going to watch it. Unless I get Apple Plus, but yeah. I don't know. It has a lot of major league to it. Yeah. That movie that... Which I love, by the, the way. The Huge female fan. owner who was trying to tank the team. You know, the whole yeah. thing. A little bar um, on your head. Get and I told you, and, and everybody, there, there's no... I mean, it's almost like illegal. You could be arrested if you say something negative about Ted Lasso. Everybody yes. says positive things. So I'm feeling a little heat. <laughs> you are. Okay. I am. I'm feeling a little pressure. <laughs> the, the, I'm feeling a little pressure. And so I watched the... I watched the first two shows, and then I watched the next couple of shows, and so I'm about five or six now in, oh, okay. and I want to give you the latest report. Go on. After two shows, I was like, eh, eh. All right. But I'll continue, Yeah. because the kids wanted me to continue. And now five shows in, I got to tell you, I like it a little more. You do? Yeah, a little more. And the Major League thing is... Now, I got to tell you, one, one big problem that I have with it is they forced me to watch a show... At like really late at night, okay, one yeah. night, Say, like, like, what's, like 9.45 one I knew night. it. <laughs> and I told them, I don't want to watch this show. I want to go to bed. And they're like, no, dad, you got to watch it. Or no, boy, you know, come on. You're just going to, you're going to sit up on your phone anyway before you go to sleep. You're going to turn the TV on Sports yeah. Center. So just watch. And I was literally falling asleep. You were. I was so tired. So I don't even, I, and apparently it was one of the big early shows that I needed to catch. So I, I kind of was in and out of one show, but I think I'm five or six in and I'm going to give it, I'm going from thumb to the side to thumb to like 10 o'clock. 
Okay. So I'm not at 12. Yeah, yeah. But I'm at about 10, and I'm willing. I, I like it enough to continue on with the uh, with the show. But does the major league thing still bug you, or is it kind of going away? Are you just it doesn't getting bug over it? me. I mean, it doesn't really. I, maybe it does bug me. There was a show. I got to tell you, there was a show that was very emotional. I was very emotional during one of the shows. You were. Yeah, but you don't understand because you haven't watched it, so I'm not going to go through it. But and I'm not emotional. He's 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 estranged from his. You're not emotional. <laughs> he's estranged from his wife, and his wife's living back, and he's over here, and he's trying to make things work, and mm. she needs space and whatever, and it you know, yeah, she comes to she comes to visit with the kid, and it doesn't oh, work yeah. out, and he's such a, he's this lovable like will do anything for anybody and we'll cheer you up and the the, the, the marriage isn't working and yeah, it's, just, I hate that it's, stuff. it's heartbreaking for me when i watched breaking bad which might be my favorite show of all time yeah i th- never saw that. their marriage was breaking down big time is that the bicycling one i don't think there's any bicycles i mean what's, I, the, one, what's the movie the the bicycles oh no quicksilver no with kevin bacon there was a movie with like breaking breaking away oh i don't think oh yeah that sounds familiar <laughs> breaking away I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. No, this is breaking. But yeah, yeah. The, the marriage is good. And he's overcompensating, waking up, making trying. breakfast. Ah! Yeah, he's trying. And she, she knows what he's doing and trying. she ain't falling for it. And that, I had to fast forward through that stuff. Maybe it hits a little too close to home or something. I don't know. Yeah. But I just, I can't, I don't like that stuff either. Yeah. So anyway, hard. quick recommendation. This is complete schlock. I'm not recommending it to you. You probably won't like but it. But you saw, uh, yeah, I know you're going to recommend the Mets documentary, the 86 well, Mets doc. That I haven't goes seen it. Saying. I haven't seen it. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah. It, 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 I saw the first one, I think. Could have been 10 hours. Yeah, Dykstra's nuts. Yeah. You're going to love it. All right. well, why don't we get the executive producer? Oh, that's Jimmy Kimmel. I saw it. It is He's Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel. Kimmel. Yeah, and his ahead. cousin, Sal. Yeah. I think I might have a line to him if you want Sal. I don't know. Anyway, uh, it's called- Is that Jimmy Kimmel's real cousin, cousin yeah, Sal? Yeah, it's okay. his real cousin. Yeah. Show called Too Hot to Handle. Never heard of it. I, I hadn't either. My wife showed it to me. It's There's awful. so many of these shows. It's complete shit. Yeah. But if you're someone who but likes schlock- yeah. yeah. So the premise is they bring in five really attractive men, five really attractive women. They put them on an island, like in Mexico or something. Ugh. It's not an island, whatever. And so the, the first night, they're just having fun, doing their thing. And yeah, they're like, I yeah, like her, and yeah. she likes it. Like real people, yeah, not real, actors. Correct. Yeah. And one like better reality show. One better looking than the next. Yes, a reality okay. show. Okay. The next day, they find out that they, have to, that they can split $100,000. Great. But if you kiss... It's minus three thousand off that total. If you do more than that, it's minus. You know, so they have to. They're they're, com- they're completely tempted. But if you kiss someone, yeah, you might like them. But it's three grand out of the pot, and that, everyone splits it too. So now everyone's gonna get mad at you. It's complete crap. I know it's not gonna win an Emmy, but goddamn, is it fun? I watched like five episodes. It is really good. Anyway, all right. Have you seen the Kaminsky Project or not? Oh. Have I talked to you about that or not? Did you watch it? It's my favorite. I, I'm not. I'm, on, I'm just starting. I'm just just starting season three because I just realized it was out, and I got the morning show coming out with Jennifer Aniston playing Alex Levy. I got to watch that. I couldn't but, have but, loved the Kaminsky. What's it called? Project it's or the Kaminsky method? Method. Or project. Yeah. I couldn't have loved it anymore. Oh really? I, I loved it. I, see, I was kind of embarrassed to bring it up because it's kind of an Alta Cocker thing. But um, what's Alan Arkin? Amazing. Everything he said, I I laughed. I just laughed because did I, you watch season three? He's not in season three. Well, you just gave a big spoiler away, but yes. I, I did watch what season What spoiler th- did I give away? That he's not in season three. Everybody knows he's not in season three. Oh, everyone does? Yeah. Well, I didn't. He's not in season three. He didn't sign up for season three. I, I know he didn't, yeah. but yeah. you didn't know that until the first episode and of I season was worried, three. And I was worried that season three is going to be a letdown because the dynamic between him and Michael incredible. Douglas is incredible. Yeah. And uh, I can tell you it's I've not a letdown. First, what? It's not a letdown. Everybody says it. Everybody who has, all my friends who have seen season three say, Mitch, watch season yep. three. You will like it a lot more than you think. Yep. They insert great poignant, characters. Poignant. Yeah sensitive emotional i didn't even think that you i didn't know that you watch do have we talked about that no oh i loved alan arkin i, I swear to you that i oh. picture like that's how i'm gonna be when i'm older just no filter you don't care just say whatever you want he uh, kills I've me i've only seen 
season three, episode one, where it's his funeral. Yeah, yeah. But I laughed my ass off. Yeah. It was so damn funny. And Paul Reiser, oh. to me, every day I see Paul Reiser, I never thought much of Paul Reiser when he was in Mad About You or whatever. Sure. He was just that guy, Paul Reiser. Yeah, yeah, he was in Beverly Hills now, Pop. And- nowadays, maybe it's my age. Every time I see Paul Reiser do something, it's fun. It's fantastic. He's great. It's fantastic. He's fantastic. He is. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Great. That's great show. About that. All right. Yeah. Remember, I told you the VMAs were on, and they were they were yeah. happening. We sort of chuckled yeah. about. I not think really the Emmy awards are happening as we record this. But go ahead. Yeah, Cedric yeah. the Entertainer is yeah, uh, hosting. I don't, know. I don't know who that is. I actually saw him in concert, and I was yeah. in the very. I mean, front I row. do, but I don't. I saw him do stand up, and I was in the front row. Was it funny? I thought he was going to mess with me. Yeah. And he didn't, so I'll always love Cedric for that. He just did his act and left me alone. Joan Rivers once brought my mom on stage. Yes, you did tell me. And she, it was very dirty, if I remember correctly. Incredibly dirty. <laughs> yes, for your mom. Like, so dirty, I wouldn't even tell you the story on a podcast, right. I would tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 that really was dirty. Joan Rivers. And swear. what she said to my now sister-in-law. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I remember. I think you told me off. Very dirty. <laughs> very politically incorrect and very dirty. But go ahead. So the VMAs were on. We're laughing about it. But it turns out Madonna, Tayana Taylor, and Normani, I don't even know how to say her name, yeah. have triggered complaints to the FCC over what some say were raunchy displays at the VMAs. I'm thinking to myself, first of all, maybe I should have been watching this show if there's all these complaints. Second of all, Madonna? She's being raunchy. She's 63 years old. What could she possibly have been doing? On st- and who asked for it? Like, trust me, I-, I love Madonna. Who asked for her to go out there and do that? Oh, oh you're still in at 63. Sure. Okay, all right, just checking me. I'm 90. All right, you can watch the performances and you can read all the FCC complaints for yourself. Okay. They're they're pretty damn funny. I don't think I have much more. I did the dogs. I did uh, losing 120 bucks. I did Josh Hainer. Uh, I did uh, Ted Lasso. Uh, Don Olmeyer, uh, I mean, we talked a lot about Norm MacDonald on, on episode 150AP. Right. Non-patrons might be expecting us to talk about, he was one of your all-time favorites. Loved him, yeah. yeah. A story came out, Conan O'Brien did a story this week saying that after he was fired from Saturday Night Live, which we think was because Don Olmeyer loved O.J. Simpson, and Don Olmeyer was a bigwig at NBC. Mr. And he, Cologne and Cufflinks, as wanted, David Letterman calls him. <laughs> he wanted Norm MacDonald out because he did too many yeah. He did too many O.J. Simpson things. He asked Conan O'Brien, don't put him on your late-night show. Conan said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm contractually obliged to do the best show I can possibly do, yep. and Norm MacDonald needs to be on my show for me to do the best show that I have. And then Don Olmeyer said something like, I'm disappointed in you. You're yeah. better than that or whatever. And then the, I, I saw on one website, one gambling website, that you can now bet on the next NFL big-time star that's going to get COVID and miss oh. I can't believe we're now taking wagers Jeez, on that. Yeah. There's like a series of like 12 or 14 big names, Pat Mahomes, whatever, really? and they got odds next to them. And you can seriously put your money on Now, maybe I'd do better there than I do at the Snoqualmie Casino. Yeah, right. But um, – <laughs> I'm coming at you, Snoqualmie Casino. <laughs> it's not going to end just, well. No, no. Well, this is just the beginning. Don't be counting your chickens after two innings. It's a nine-inning game. In this case, it's a 17-week season. I'm coming at you. All right. I, I'm all out. You, you can finish up the show. Okay, there was just a weird run of sort of famous people getting arrested. Sort of famous people getting arrested. I'll burn through them real quick. Peter Dante, you've seen him play goofy no. roles in just about every Adam Sandler film, was in serious yeah. trouble yeah. after cops say he threatened to kill his neighbor over construction noise. Okay. I could see somebody getting upset about that. Yep. Can't threaten to kill people. Nope. Cops arrested Peter for making felony criminal threats. He was taken into custody but posted bail release. Okay. Jason London, who played Randall Pink Floyd in the movie Dazed and Confused, okay. was arrested late Tuesday around 1130 in Ocean Springs, Mississippi, when cops found him behind the wheel of a 2010 Nissan Maxima that was on fire mm-hmm. and stuck in a ditch. Mm-hmm. Cops say he reeked of booze, could barely keep his balance, and had slurred speech. 
Actor Eddie Deason was arrested for assault after cops say he refused to leave a restaurant and unloaded on officers on his way out. He's best known for playing nerdy Eugene Felsnick in the original Grease movies. <laughs> big Grease fan or not? I am but, a big, big Grease yeah, fan. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Eugene, I know. He was okay. causing a scene at a restaurant and, he, and on his way out he was throwing plates and stuff at the cops. Shh. So can't do that. Turns out they don't... Uh, they don't take take too kindly to no, that. They they don't. Throw things at no, them, they yeah. don't. No, they don't. All right, I got one final one. One final story? Cops may have identified a man who defecated inside a freezer case oh. at an Oklahoma supermarket. Kind of like the way the Seahawks defecated in the second exact, half on Sunday? In their, in their bed instead, though, yes. They, that, that's where they did it. This guy did it in a supermarket. Okay. It was discovered after an unfortunate shopper placed her hand in the waist while reaching for a bag of Totino's pizza rolls. According to investigators, the suspect opened a freezer door relieved himself Sunday inside a Crest Foods market and more, an Oklahoma City suburb. The suspect in his 20s was wearing an Oklahoma City Thunder jacket. <laughs> it can be seen in store surveillance video. Police now, the guy now the guy in Oklahoma City, he's not the same guy who said, I'm 40. You can blame me. I'm 40. Uh, was that Van Gundy or something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not the same guy. Okay, so police say a person of interest in the September 12th incident had been taken into custody in connection with a separate matter. Ah. Police spokesperson told him the, ah. the paper that the man's name will be released upon conclusion of the investigation. Shirley Wright Johnson, a Moore resident, was shopping with her two daughters when she reached into the freezer case for a bag of pizza rolls. Upon picking up the item, she realized that she had human excrement on her hand. Ugh. The suspect apparently uh, did uh. it on a bag of Totino's pizza rolls and placed another bag on top of his waist as to kind of hide it a little bit. Uh. Police say store camera recorded the decent, vi- uh, cameras indecent. recorded indecent video yeah. of the incident. Yes. Okay. All right. It. Hey, Oklahoma, maybe it's time for you to get your act together as a state, said Florida. <laughs> A police officer who was there grocery shopping in street clothes actually left the scene after taking a look at the crime. He remembered it wasn't his duty. As sorry as I feel for this woman and as vile as the act is, at least it wasn't a steaming pile. Uh, it was in the freezer section. Yeah. Uh, who amongst us is surprised that this sort of behavior would take place by someone wearing an Oklahoma Thunder jacket? Sounds like pretty much on brand. And finally, uh, look, I like a nice Totino's pizza roll as much as the next person, but let's be honest. Nutritionally, it's probably a wash. There you go. All right, episode 159. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's the first show after a Seahawks loss. How many more will there be like this? Another five, another six, another seven? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But look, t- Titans were 11 and five. Last year, yeah. lost in the first round. Yeah, it's it's not a crappy team. If you no, want, if you not. want something to hang your hat on, for the first six quarters of the Seahawks season, they looked. But awesome. here's the thing, you now go to Minnesota to face a Vikings team that's lost the first two games, and they're not a bad football team. Right. And you know how the NFL just kind of evens out as it goes along. Yeah. Yeah, they're either going to be demoralized after I, two I games or I hope that on episode off. 160, we're not talking about a one and two football team. Okay. Yeah. Episode 159. Don't forget, become a patron. We now have. Five additional weekly shows each and every week for patrons. And Danny O'Neill yes. is joining the team starting this coming week. Join us. Go to uh, MitchUnfiltered.com and click Become a Patron. Mitch Unfiltered, episode 159 in the books. Mm-hmm.